1: Drive spins, dumps it in the corner to Miller, wide open three. Yes! Edie inside with Tweedy on him.
2: Oh! And, one, and Edie fired
1: up. Final score here tonight with the horn sounding.
3: Miami 85, Indiana 69.
2: Do you believe
4: it? For just the second time ever.
2: 16 beats a one
0: You got to give Miami a lot of credit man they played they
5: played extremely well tonight and we didn't compete we just they were the better team
3: tonight. We've worked very hard and done things the right way in our program, and now we get in the
0: best position possible, and this happens. Obviously, it hurts.
6: My disappointment is
0: immeasurable, and my day is moving. The Ride with JMV, 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. You
1: know, full disclosure, other than a couple of things from me, that entire basketball weekend sucked. It really did, from top to bottom. Actually, I guess if you're an IU fan – For you, it started, well, when Purdue lost on Friday evening, so maybe it got off to a good start. So if you're an IU fan, Purdue lost, and everybody can laugh and jump on the internet and make gifs or gifs or memes or whatever you do on the internet. Everybody can talk junk, and I know you're a bit apprehensive because of that first-round matchup with Kent State. Then you got to talk a little bit more junk. Because the Hoosiers got over on Kent State, but I mean, honestly, and we'll start right here with my level of disappointment, and And here's how I look at it, and I know that a lot of people would disagree, but I thought the way that IU went out, not the lack of competing thing, that was a bummer. Now, we'll get to both of these aspects with IU and Purdue because there are some similarities there. And in terms of IU not competing, last night to what everybody would expect, to watch Purdue players literally run from the basketball in the final three minutes, everybody but Edie. And he couldn't get it because he was surrounded. Everybody else had wide open shots and nobody wanted to touch the basketball the proverbial hot potato was being played. I want to say that I've never seen anything like it, but maybe I have seen something like it. I can't remember if I have. They were literally running from it. Oh, no, not me. Oh, not me. Not me. Incredibly disappointing. And then the fact that you last night just didn't, compete, to get worked over on the glass in the fashion in which they did that was incredibly disappointing too a couple of things regarding both of these games that stand out to me and one with Purdue I wanted them to see, I wanted them to pick up some steam I wanted, and really for Purdue fans that now are even worse Imagine where Purdue fans are right now. I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. You're even worse. You're even more gun shy in terms of anything now. You're walking around talking to yourself a little bit. I don't blame you. I wanted two things out of this weekend. I wanted Purdue to win a couple, advance to the Sweet Sixteen then see what you have there to make their fan base feel a lot better and not have them where they are right now, just a nervous wreck. And to get a couple of things off the back of people that I do like. In terms of Purdue, it's the now the last three times in the postseason and how things have gone down for Matt Painter. I want to see him get rid of that. I wanted to see him get rid of that. Yeah, unfortunately what we saw on Friday made it like a thousand times worse. Getting skewered everywhere they are. You can't even get past it. Yeah, not even Kansas losing a day later did anything for it because this was fairly Dickinson. This was a team That didn't even win the conference in the Northeast Conference. Merrimack won it. They just weren't eligible. Kind of like whatever the uh, in Louisville was a year ago. I'm glad I brought that up. Bellerman. thank you. Well, it was just right there on the tip of my head. Whatever that means. But I wanted Purdue to be able to shake that. I wanted Purdue to be able to shake that criticism. To put that to rest for a while. But instead, they, they made it. Cataclysmity, worse. I mean, when you think about it, just incredibly worse. And then from an IU standpoint, the thing that I can't stand the most is regarding Trace and the four years that he has had where he has played certainly at a high level and has grown. He has grown as a player. He has been as a player in... Exactly what your fan base, not even necessarily I use fan base, but anybody's fan base wants. That's what he has been. That has been his value. He has grown as a player. He's put up numbers. Most of the time this season, he has put up numbers with little to no help. Shoulder in the load himself. And I wanted it for him to be more than just about the numbers. I didn't want to get the, well, look at the numbers he put up. He's one of the better players of all time. But, yeah, look what he did in the tournament. And that's the same thing that's being said regarding Matt Painter. Well, look at the numbers he puts up in the regular season. Look what he did in the Big Ten Conference Tournament. But look what he's done now in the past three NCAA Tournament first rounds. North Texas, check that, two out of three. North Texas, St. Peter's, and then whatever that was on Friday. And then for Trace, you know, it's one thing, a year ago it was Wyoming, and you get out of the play-in, and then you go get stomped in Portland by St. Mary's. So you get off to a great start against Kent State on Friday look really good in doing so and then as a team you don't even come close to measuring up with the competitive level of Miami I wanted to see Trace kind of shake loose get to the sweet 16 shake that loose and then everybody views you all, and, and they shouldn't shouldn't really matter anyway to me but it, it does to a lot of you who consistently argue on the internet about absolutely everything I guess I'm one of the talk. I'm right in there yesterday, too. You send me stuff. Now, again, I will say this. I only come back at when somebody comes at. But at the same time, I'm right in there arguing, too. Right in there arguing. All this happens because of the amount of frustration that you have. All this happens because the frustration that you have is also, it, it it rises, it grows because when one fan base loses, the other one piles on. And then I guess what I'm trying to say is I think all we do around here is stinking to lose. And I know that Purdue's won in the regular season and Purdue's won in the Big Ten tournament, but there has been so rarely any consistent winning. Most of the time around here, any winning is like one step forward and two steps back. I feel you. I do. Any sort of winning, I would be on board with. And I know you're going to say the IU women, and that's great. Hopefully, that's the case tonight. Hopefully, it's not like last night. Knicks isn't open in Bloomington on Kirkwood, and IU loses. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, I saw that. Everybody's mad at Knicks because they weren't open last night and because they're not open tonight. Mad at Knicks. See, everybody's getting mad. Everybody's getting mad because there's nothing to celebrate ever. And if there is something to celebrate, it's for five minutes. And then if you have something to celebrate, somebody else is going to tell you why you're soft and you shouldn't be celebrating it. We are all in need of some sort of winning fix one of these days. That was the overwhelming thought of the weekend. I just don't know when that's going to be. I mean, for Purdue now, you got to wait. You know, we talked about this past year. Remember, I think in January I said, "You know, we got to soak this up a little bit. You got to allow yourself to soak this up, not think about March." And again, I understood why you did, but I wanted to, I wanted to at least say it's okay that you soak up a little bit of joy out of this. And then what happened? What happened was exactly what even Purdue fans, probably more Purdue fans than anybody else, had called, had thought was going to happen. That was absolutely ridiculous on Friday. I know, hot team, fast guards, all this. And Listen, I watched Florida Atlantic play... Uh, Fairleigh Dickinson yesterday. Fairleigh Dickinson hung in the entire time. But Purdue on Friday looked like the slowest team in the tournament. That probably, besides running from the basketball, stood out to me more than anything else. And let me tell you this. If you shoot from three-point range, right, let's compare these two numbers and They're non-relatable, but I'm going to share them with you anyway. You turn the ball over 16 times. If your turnovers approach your percentage from three-point range, then you're not going to beat the JMV All-Stars. You're just not. In this era of basketball, you are not going to beat anybody. Think about that for a moment. 16 turnovers, and that was almost a mere image of what they shot from three point range. And we're not talking about difficult shots, are we? We're talking about step into threes. We're not worried about you whatsoever. We're going to go ahead and stake out here in the lane with this 7-4 guy, put three people around him and you guys can fumble about there on the wing and step into these threes and as long as we go get the boards, everything's going to be okay. And they continued to miss and miss and turn it over and miss and turn it over again. And then when things got tight, you could see, literally in the final five minutes, how tight that team was. And I know everybody said, well, you know, if you're Matt Painter, you got to go to a zone. Why don't you go to a zone? I I don't care what you do. A zone, a box in one, a triangle in two. You guys can lay down on the floor if you want. If you turn the ball over 16 times and shoot 19% from three in this era of college basketball, you're toast. You are toast. That's it. And again, this is not at all to take anything. Uh, listen, the coach is always at it, and Matt knows that more than anybody else. you imagine having to deal with that right now? I mean, you got everybody out there that had felt, and I know that they thought that IU was going to go further. I know that it would become kind of the cool thing to say around here. Well, I think IU was going to get further than Purdue, and they did. Just not much further than Purdue, and then... When they get further than Purdue, it's almost like, well, you know what? That stunk so bad, it almost takes away from that opening round win. That's what I was talking about. One step forward and two steps back. It's not you, Boilermaker fans, or just you. It's like everybody around here is just starved and angry and tired of losing. It's just that that Purdue team on Friday like set the bar so high, I don't know where anybody else is going to reach that. And then last night, the disappointment of you're right there, especially in that second half. You come out of the half, I guess. I don't know if there's any inspiration there. There was a couple of shots made. That's inspiration to me. What the hell? Run with it. So a couple of shots were made. You take the lead and you just, you can't hang. You just, you take a beating on the glass. I just thought if you sustain, like Nigel Pack was on fire in the first half. And everybody always says how things ultimately even out, and things were going to even out. You were fortunate to be down only five going into the half. You come out. Then again, I don't know if inspiration, shot making, whatever. I will take shot making ability anytime. You made some shots. But they just looked a step slow. It looked like the things got to them. And really, if it was going to get to them, it should have been in the first half. Not so much in the second half. But Miami kept coming at him, kept coming at him in waves, and then really all I you could muster was that start of the second half, and that was it. And for that, that is incredibly disappointing. I wanted to see them get to the Sweet Sixteen. I wanted to see Trace not have to. Or I say this: if somebody ever brings up his name on this show, and well, but I didn't want to hear the well, but. I didn't want to hear the well butts for Trace. I didn't want to have the well butts for Matt Painter. Um, and both you're going to continue to hear now. And obviously, it Purdue, that's escalated a great deal. That was one of the biggest messes I've ever seen of an end game. I, you know, it's always funny. Everybody tosses around, you know, choke and gag and Not ready for the moment and all this BS that you can't normally see. You just kind of guess it, don't you? All these things that you toss around that you really can't see, but you think you can see. Well, let's just say this. Maybe if you see it, somebody else doesn't, right? But everybody saw that on Friday. Everybody saw it. You didn't have to be a basketball fan to see it. That was so overwhelmingly disappointing, not only on Friday, but then last night as well. And again, when you look around the landscape of sports here, and I know you guys are all going to be giving me, well, look at this team. They're really good. Hey, Ben Davis and Foray's is really good. Oh, okay. I know. I know. I know. The IU women, Ben Davis, somebody's wrestling team, your fifth grade girls basketball team. They're all really good. But I'm talking about the major subjects that we talk about on a daily basis here. Now, again, the Pacers aren't in the category this year. And I know you're giving that a pass. They are getting a pass. Rick Carlisle came out in October and said, hey, listen, this is probably going to be, they get a lot of beatings here. Surprise you in December a little bit. And you learn To live with it it wasn't like last year when they lost a bunch and you just kind of checked out but it wears on you and we have a worn down bunch around here no doubt you know whether you're a collegiate basketball fan or i mean brought in butler or a professional sports fan around here you just keep waiting and unfortunately what you wait for is you wait for the worst to happen I used to make fun of Cincinnati. Cincinnati for being Slep Rock. Slep Rock is a character on the Flintstones or a friend of Pebbles and Bam Bam or something. I don't know. I'm not making this up. This is true. But Slep Rock will walk around with a constant cloud over his head. Everything's always a bummer. That's how you guys suggest I act on this show all the time. It's unfortunate that I have to talk about the negatives on this show all the time. I'm waiting for, and I think we wait here and cannot wait to run with it, some positives. But rarely, if ever, here recently, even longer than recently, have we had the opportunity to do that. That beats you down. beats you down a little bit. Everybody's angry. I don't blame you for being angry. And I wanted a couple of situations, I wouldn't say wiped clean, but at least a more balanced argument that people like me can put out there, right? And unfortunately for Purdue, it got worse. And this is probably something that they're going to bring up regarding Trace, which I think is ridiculous. However, regarding that, I don't think that is as ridiculous as Boilermaker fans wanting to fire Matt Painter. That's really what some of you clowns want to do, huh? That's what you want to do? That's what you want to see happen? So many people out there ready to take over. So many people out there ready to take over. Look at the classes you got coming in and look at the underclassmen. You nerds, come on. Let's just say, for example, you get your stupid wish here, which is stupid. Let's say you get this stupid wish. It takes about five minutes for players on that team and incoming players to basically sprinkle out in a thousand different directions and go someplace else. You don't want to see Matt Painter fired. I don't care how you feel right now. I don't care how embarrassed you feel. I don't care how bad it makes you feel. Like, times that a million to how they feel about that. You do not want to get, it makes zero sense. Uh, this I, Some guy from L.A., he literally looked 12. And I don't make fun of people's pictures or anything like that. I think that's lame. But he looked like he was 12. And he was 12 trying to tell me what was out there and what could be done. And, you know, because, well, you're 53 and you don't get it. You know, I get it. I get it perfectly here. I get that I would step up and speak for you and make sense out of this no matter how upset, how embarrassed you feel, how mad you are at everybody on social media because right now you're the butt of jokes. The last thing you want to do is put a stamp of approval on that type of change. That is the most ridiculous thing ever. Well, that's just because you're friends. Well, you know what? We don't talk a great deal. He comes on whenever I ask. I haven't asked him yet. As far as this week is concerned, you know, I'm not going to, hey, guess what? You just had the worst loss of your career. You want to come on the show on Monday? Now, if he wants to come on, we will. And you know what? Even if we weren't, even if I didn't have that, if I didn't, let's just say this. Even if I didn't have a great deal of admiration for what type of coach he is, this is easy to see. Now, there's no doubt you've got to make some adjustments on this, too. So does IU. One of the things that I worried about, I had IU getting knocked off by Miami in the second round. Because I thought Miami and their quickness, their guard play especially, but their quickness was going to be too much for IU. IU. And whereas IU looked really fast against a slow team in Kent State on Friday night, they did not look quick whatsoever against Miami, a faster team, an athletic team, last night. Purdue, I don't even, Purdue looks so slow. Purdue, it looked like it was like 1973. That is something that Matt's going to have to deal with mean, you're going to have to up the ante on quickness, guard play. And I'm not suggesting at all that Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer aren't going to be good sometime. But it's like in the NBA right now. You have to be able to shoot the three. You have to. That's just where you are. All these teams play in a similar fashion. You've got to shoot the three. You've got to have really good wings. And in in terms of the NCAA tournament, you have to have guards. And you have to cross your fingers and hope the guards that you have are talented and quick and have ability to get to the rim and not just settle for threes, but also knock down threes would be nice. But you have to hope that they're playing well at that moment. Confidence is something here. You watch all these teams. You watch FDU. You watch Florida Atlantic. You can just see these guys. The confidence is a drug now. If it's for your team, it's amazing to watch. It's one of the more amazing things you can see. Just somebody's confidence go from zero to 60, as you saw with Fairleigh Dickinson. Have you seen? Like, Arkansas is another great example. You could see in the second half when they were coming back in that game against the one-seed Kansas, you could see they thought, hey, I know this is Kansas, and they're trying to do defend their championship, but look at our athleticism. We're right there. A shot-making ability off the dribble. It wasn't all threes either. Same could hold true for Gonzaga. One of the reasons why I picked Gonzaga to win it all is because – I thought everybody else was was fairly even. Like in the past, Gonzaga's teams have been talented. They've had a you know a lottery pick or two in terms of Suggs and Kispert a couple of years ago on their team, and they've had you know two better teams go to the national championship game. They have now made what the Sweet Sixteen for eight consecutive years. That is amazing. I didn't think their guards were going to be good enough. Their guards against TCU, I thought, looked just fine. They had dudes I hadn't really seen a lot of get out there and stroke some threes late, get to the free throw line. Wasn't even really a straw, for example. It was a lot of Timmy. But you kind of got to adapt to the times. It seems like that everybody is adapting. seem like that both IU and Purdue have adapted very well to where the NCAA tournament is being played you watch all these games and a reasonable outcome for the most part can be guessed just by the guard play and that's on both ends too that's offensively and that's pressure on the ball you know taking the offense because these guys are all pretty good right you take your offense out of a comfort zone So that's really what both IU and Purdue need to look at here. Because those both have been failures, certainly monumental for the Boilermakers. But you don't want Matt Painter going anywhere. Come on. You don't want that. Somebody told me yesterday, oh, well, great. I mean, you win regular seasons and you win Big Ten Conference tournaments. Yeah, I, I, I like to win. So I will take winning. Make no mistake, you've got to get something done here in the NCAA tournament. And I can sit here and say it, and it's very easy for me to say. Very difficult for them to be able to work out of. But let's face it here. There's still a lot of talent there. You just got to find a different avenue in which to play. This has been issues for them the past couple of years. Backcourt quickness. three-point shooting, there is no doubt you got to make some adjustments as a way that you play, especially this time of year. Yeah, but as far as getting rid of somebody that you know wants nothing more than to be there and win at a high level for the rest of his career, what is he, 52? Come on. I'm just assuming a lot of you just, and I don't blame you, there's not a lot of winning going on around here there's a hell of a lot of disappointment and that was like at the mountaintop of disappointment but that is something that you don't want uh, we'll talk about that over the course of the afternoon top of the hour Jay query is going to join us from the morning show michael lewis the head coach of ball state a couple of different reasons why i actually talked to mike this morning And I said, hey, I want to talk with you about what you've seen in the first two rounds going to the Sweet 16. Obviously, he brought in a lot of what Mick Cronin is coaching up at UCLA. And I want to talk a little bit about the transfer portal. Because especially for IU fans, the transfer portal is going to be high entertainment and a must this year. Talk a little bit about the transfer portal with somebody that knows a great deal about it. Actually living in that world. Michael Lewis is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the 4 o'clock hour. Dusty May, one of the few things I had the opportunity with some happiness this weekend in sports was that. Eastern Green grad, former IU manager, and Florida Atlantic on to the Sweet 16. Their first win ever? On Saturday in the NCAA tournament over Memphis, and then their, I should say on Friday. And then their second win and their first Sweet 16. That's pretty awesome. But I know how hard he works at it. I also know this. I know that when one of his guys tried to do that 360 dunk at the end, I know that he was over there yelling, hold it. I know he's yelling that. They don't have a great deal, right? They don't have a great deal of experience in that situation, either on the court or in post-game interviews. But, man, they've been fun to watch. I'm so proud of him. Consider this. My man from Salisbury, Indiana, is going to be coaching up in the Sweet 16 against Tennessee at Madison Square Garden in New York. That is pretty awesome right there. So, one of the things I got to get excited about this weekend was that. So, congratulations to Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic from Eastern Green. A shout-out to Green County and Dusty May. is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We will talk about all of that. All right, meantime, 239-1070. I'll get to your calls coming up on the other side. I'm sure there's probably some Colts news we can get to, but there was so much hoop, I'm assuming we're going to be in that land for a while. Pacers lose to the Sixers at home on Saturday on the road against the Hornets later on tonight. That game starts right here, pregame-wise, at 6.30. Hornets and the Pacers from Charlotte. All right, 239-1070 is the number. JMV at 1075thefan.com. At JMV1070 on Twitter. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. You can participate in there, be a part of the show. Uh, You can also catch us on HD Radio, the stream, the app, as a lot of you have decided to do. Thank you very much. Or 93.5 and
0: 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. And then at that point, Billy, your house started to shake. The heavens opened up, and God himself spoke to you and said this. Bob, but my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
1: My headphones decided to go out right here. Something's weird happening. I don't know what it is. There it is. That's better. Just jiggle. Let me wiggle that. Yeah, Welcome back. Jennifer writes this. Why do Big Ten teams implode in the tournament? The style of play will not win in the big dance. I will say this. While I am all for running offenses, doing what you do, keep doing it, I think more times than not getting out and running and just going free flow in the NCAA tournament, Being able to do that, being comfortable in doing that, has a great deal of importance. I don't know about you, but some of these teams that have been highly successful, I don't know how much offense they're running. And if they're running an offense, they may run it for like a pass or two, but it doesn't last. I'm not suggesting at all that you all know, you should not run an offense. You could just you know go out back and no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that depending upon the style of play, getting out and running and trying to find easy baskets on the run to me is just as important this time of year as running an offense. That's my thought. And it certainly does feel like, oftentimes, the faster, the quicker, the better. Jason writes this, experienced guards, freshman guards, will eventually be the Achilles' heel. Now, you definitely missed Xavier Johnson. There's no doubt about that. That game was, like, ready-made for him. And Purdue missed a steady force in the backcourt. And they tried to get one, and then, in fact, you got to play against him last night. So, yeah, it was a struggle. 16 turnovers and 19% from three-point range. You are not beating anybody with that. Well, wait a minute. Why don't you go to a zone? Everybody was, like, crying about a zone. Zone? You guys got to score here. Zone? You end up with 58 points. You got to score. Everybody's worried about a zone. Get into a zone. Why don't you go to a zone? Zone, zone, zone. Look at me. This is what I'm doing right now. YouTube Live. Here's your zone. Get out and score. Like knock down a shot. So like 19 guys aren't surrounding your big man player of the year. 19%. Braden Smith had seven turnovers, seven of the 16. That is not going to get it done and not going to get it done anywhere. And it has zero to do on whether or not you play the zone. But what about the zone? Go to the zone. (laughs) Yeah, 58 points right now is what you ended up with, Purdue, was it? Final score. That's what they had, 58. Am I right about that? Look it up, James. It's down in front of me. Come on, James. I'm going to start working your ass here, man. Let's go. You're correct. Thank you very much. See? That's quickness. (laughs) But wait a minute. What about the zone? That's pretty funny. That's from Don Hall, JMV. We fans of IU basketball would love for them to win the Big Ten regular season and Big Ten tournament every year. Be careful of what you wish for Purdue fans. I, listen, I don't think that it's a majority of Purdue fans. And, and believe me, you've got you've got to make up ground in this NCAA tournament from what has transpired in the fa- past three years. There's no doubt about that. Don't get me wrong on it. And it's not like I'm saying this not knowing exactly what they're thinking up there. That's exactly what they're thinking to do. But you really want to fire Matt Painter as a Boilermaker fan. That's going to make you happy? I'm just assuming that a lot of you just had that, that reaction and that was it. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I get it. You know, back... Back when we were growing up, you didn't have ways to just instantaneously unleash your frustration upon watching a game on the world. Now you do, so it's different. But I saw that and I'm thinking, so you want to get rid of Matt Painter? Believe me, though, I know it was embarrassing. And it's going to taste like crap for a long time. But Believe me, if you trust me on anything, and hopefully you do, if you trust me on anything, trust me on this. That is not at all a feasible and or reasonable answer. Not at all. Let's do some calls. 239-1070. Jason is up first today. Jason, hello. How are you? All
7: right. Uh, I think the two coaches need to hire specific
4: assistants. Uh, You need the hype coach those kids don't come out dead like they did. And Painter needs to get him a guard coach because whoever they got teaching them guards is going to have to do a better job. That's it.
1: you say a hype coach? But <laughs> they had him already. Wait a minute. A hype coach? I Listen, guard play, and there's no doubt with Braden Smith having seven, that's problematic. Seven of their 16. But at the same time, you, you just look, you look at the shooting. That is not going to beat anybody. Nobody. And it doesn't matter if you had a guard coach or if you played a zone. Or as I mentioned earlier, if you just all five of you lay in the middle of the lane. V, that was just a horse blank performance by Purdue had nothing to do with the coach. Now, we'll say this. It, it always has something to do with the coach. I will say that. Because then we're all thinking, oh, well, wait a minute. He's without blame? No, 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 no. It's just like, if I suck, if this whole thing sucks, which it normally does, who do you blame? Me. So, I'm the coach from three until six right here. So, if it sucks, you blame me. And if they suck, there's no doubt the head coach has a great deal to do with it. But the whole firing thing just makes zero sense. I said last night, who do you think you're going to get? Who do you think's gonna get? Come there, oh well, you know, they've got this this group of guys right now and guys coming in, yeah, okay. Listen, the transfer portal and NIL is gonna run a lot of these guys off that you love in the head coaching ranks soon enough. If I were you, if I were a fan, I wouldn't be doing that. Like this whole other crap that's going on, NIL and how they utilize that and the transfer portal when you know you can just like raise your leg and cut one and you're in the transfer portal. That's going to run a, it ran Jay Wright off. You think Jay Wright's missing Villanova? right? No, he had two national championships as well. He's digging it on CBS and on TNT and doing a great job. But that's, that's going to end up running these guys off. And so be it if that does it. But I don't know if I'm the Purdue fan base if I want to be known as the fan base that tried to run this guy off. I look at it this way. There always comes levels of disappointment, and that was disappointment and embarrassment. But I kind of look at it the same as how you felt about Fire Painter as what a lot of these clown Colts fans did around here to Jeff Saturday. Sure, he was not going to be the next head coach. Sure, he didn't deserve to be the next head coach. But a petition, you boobs, seriously. A petition. A petition. Yeah, that, that Jeff Saturday. You know, the one, the golden era thing, you know, the Super Bowl, the Lombardi, the good teams, Manning, offense, that. You're going to sign that petition? Come on. It's a good thing I'm understanding around here in a lot of this, and I know that everybody's frustrated. And it's not just you, Purdue fans, not even upon that embarrassment. It's not just IU fans, it's Everybody as nobody around here wins. Again, Ben Davis, the IU women, nobody around here wins. Yeah, that does wear you out a little bit. Let me go Chris really quick here before the break. Chris, hello.
7: Hey, JMV, how you doing today? Chris, I couldn't be better. I'm glad you asked. All right. Uh, For me, the hype coach, nah. What IU needs is a rebounding coach. Because if, in my opinion, watching that game last night, you could talk about the missed shots, you can talk about missed free throws, you can talk about the defense. But how many times down the floor did Miami get two, three, four offensive rebounds? You cut that. You cut their offensive rebounds in half for that game, and it's a totally different game. Yeah, they so were my, like they were like two and a half steps.
1: No, no, no. You're right. They were like two and a half steps ahead of IU the entire game. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they were.
7: kids out of box out. Go back to basics and learn how
1: they to box out and rebound. No, and, and, and it was about competing. Chris, thank you for the call. And IU did not compete. Or better said, didn't compete on any level as necessary. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. This is from CWJMV. Really comparing Painter's situation to the Saturday petition. Uh, in terms of fan reaction, yes. How is it not similar? You act like a jackass when you get upset. Colts fans were upset. They were upset at Jeff Saturday. They didn't want him to be the head coach. They act like a jackass. Purdue fans upset. Mad at everybody. Mad at Painter. Painter's got to go. Hashtag fire Matt Painter. That is exactly the same. I'm not talking about in terms of coaching or anything like that. I'm talking about in terms of your reaction, your response. And in this case with the Colts, you knew that you were going to get that result. You weren't going to get Jeff Saturday back. But with Purdue, let me just tell you right now, you don't want it. You don't want that. You don't. You don't want it. So, yes, that portion of it, 100% equal. Quick one on the other side with your call, Squary. Top of the hour, Michael Lewis, Dusty May. I'm very proud of my Eastern Green Thunderbird going to the Sweet 16 with Florida Atlantic. The head coach of the Owls in the five o'clock hour. Back with you next.
0: The ride with JMV. Jenny. Oh. David Letterman. Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Don't. Oh. 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Hey,
1: JV, I actually wanted to see how you play some zone last night, or at least quit guarding everyone above the free throw line and sag. Um, Again, you play a zone with the way that they played last night. I. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to try to put them in more of an easy chair than a lot of them were in last night. They just Miami came to do work from the outset, and and IU didn't. But again, you know, a lot of the way that they had played, it's not like that. It was all new. You knew that that was coming again. You just kind of crossed your fingers at this tournament and hope that, you know, maybe they would get on a run. And I do agree about Xavier Johnson, too. Xavier Johnson, he was made for a game like that. But they just simply didn't have enough guys compete last night. And when you look at Jalen Hood, Shafino, what, he have? 19 points and nine came in the final minute and a half. He went back to back to back on threes. And the game was was lost well before that. All right, 239-1070. Let me get to Dave before the break. Dave, go quickly for me.
8: Hey, JMV, good afternoon. How good are afternoon, you? Dave. Hey, this stuff about Fire and Painter seems kind of like a bunch of nonsense to me. But um, the one thing I will say that if the trend continues, maybe at the end of his contract, if he hasn't fixed it, maybe reevaluate it then. Don't make a snap decision today. I mean, if he's any kind of coach, with it certainly seems like he is, he's probably as mad or madder than the fan base.
1: No, oh, I, I guarantee that. I guarantee all yeah. those guys are. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. because this is something that's not just going to go away. You know, last year people talked about how St. Peter's that was going to leave a mark. So you can imagine what they're in for with this thing hanging around their neck. So,
2: yeah,
8: I, I just thought that when I heard that, I thought it was pretty ridiculous to make that decision. You know, but oh, everybody it's, gets it's, mad,
1: every, and I, I do understand that everybody's frustrated. Everybody gets mad, but that that stuff is silly, at least well, for that.
8: I, yeah. If it continues, then you, toward the end of his contract, maybe reevaluate it at all. I give the guy a chance to show how ticked off he is and maybe he makes the right adjustments. And then two years from now, and they're in the Final Four, and every Purdue fan just looks down and goes, What was I thinking?
1: Dave, thank you for the call. Just have some guys make some shots. Have some guys make some shots. You know, Don't turn it over 16 times. Those are amazing stats. 19% from three and 16 turnovers. That, that is flooring. Quick one will come back with you. Jake Query, Michael Lewis, Dusty May, all still to come. 93.5, The Fan.
0: The Ride with JMV. Let me have
4: a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm going to damn hurry.
0: hurry. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
4: Rex writes this,
1: Hype Coach, how about accountability for the lack of effort? Last night wasn't the first time. It's been a reoccurring theme this season. Should have benched players during the regular season for the lack of effort. They had a Blutarski effort from the bench last night, Rex. You notice that? A 0.0 from the bench. Uh, Tamar Bates, tomorrow <laughs> I I will say this: he he's a sh- keep on shooting it. He will keep on shooting it. But last night, last night, IU against Miami, they they got outworked. And then Friday afternoon, Friday evening, I should say, it was an absolute disaster. For Purdue, We often say this. I said this back in hour one. You know, you talk about how, you know, they're, they're not ready for the moment. They're running for the ball. They're scared. They're choking. They're gagging. You saw all of that on Friday. All of it. I mean, it all came right together at such an awful time. Hey, JV, the only Purdue player that showed up as usual was Edie. He had zero help. They were scared, crapless to shoot in the last five minutes of the game. Keep painter. Well, that's true. I'd never seen guys run from the ball like that. You could actually see it. But firing the head coach is absolutely ridiculous. Firing Matt Painter from Purdue? Are you guys crazy? Come on. Come on. Get back to your calls coming up in a minute. Michael Lewis of Ball State, bottom of the hour. Dusty May is going to the Sweet 16. Florida Atlantic. I don't even, you guys have pointed out, did Greg Doyle write something about the only job Dusty would leave for would be IU or something, for the love of Pete? (laughs) Please. Please. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Did I see that right? Somebody sent me that. Uh, he's got a lot on his plate right now. Let's <laughs> not. I mean, it would be IU and Mike Woodson retires or something. Let's not do that right now. He had to worry about his guy trying to do a 360 to end the game when he was telling him to pull it out. No, no, no. Then uh, what's his what's his nuts? Anderson got all, all mad about it. And I know this because I was talking to him. He was trying to apologize to the guy, and he was just – I get it. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. From the morning show, Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. in the morning. It is Jake Query. Hello, Jake. You know one thing? People, I think, have so been so bitter and have such a thirst for winning around here, which has not been prevalent. Purdue in the regular season, Big Ten Conference tournament, okay. But it's always with winning around here, seemingly one step forward and two steps back. And I can understand the anger that people are – I mean, all the way around, from IU to Purdue and what happened this weekend to the Colts and the Pacers. I mean, it's it's been a while around here, hasn't it?
3: It has. And, you know, Purdue's an interesting case because the expectations for Purdue at the end of the year were expectations that almost entirely were because of the creation of Purdue's season and what no one expected them to be at the beginning of the year. So it's kind of a yin and a yang. I mean, you want to hold it against them that they were a number one seed and they, you know, they got obviously pretty inexcusable to lose to a 16, but. But at the beginning of the year, if I would have said to you, like, hey, Purdue's going to win, you know, 20-plus games, be win the Big Ten by multiple games, win the Big Ten tournament, be a number one seed, you'd be like, yeah, sign me up. I'll take whatever happens in the tournament. But then it gets there, and, you know, it's a different story. And, and for Indiana, I think, you know, it's like my buddy Mike Byron always says to me when it comes to IU basketball, he's says, look, man, I'm done believing in fairy tales, right? I mean – Indiana And I think Mike Woodson's done a good job of getting them in the right direction, and certainly they're in a better place than where they were three or four years ago. But, you know, Miami was really good. And Miami um, last night absolutely played at a tempo and a pace that that completely rattled Indiana. And Indiana looked like they had no interest in being there for the last five minutes of that game. Let me ask you this, John.
1: Tempo and pace. I want you to get back to tempo and pace in a moment, though, because that's what unraveled both IU and Purdue tempo no, and right. pace this weekend get back to that in a second but go ahead with what okay. you were talking about
3: well do you, okay who is the guy there's an actor he's a character actor he played francis in Wee's big adventure he plays the guy that that has the battle over the the last babka with seinfeld and the and and then he's the guy in teen wolf he's the the chubby dude on the teen wolf team you know what i'm talking about i think he
1: also played um john wayne gacy didn't he i think in a film <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay that that deviates a bit from the other role. yeah but uh i think between, uh i think um yeah well, I think, so that dude so that dude on teen wolf yeah and then the philip seymour hoffman character that is playing pickup basketball in the park with ben stiller in A Long Game polly which of the two of them has the better shot than Tamar Bates, because it's one of the two, right?
1: Well, Mark so, Holton Mark Holton is the guy, by the way, okay. that you're looking well, for. Francis? That, yeah.
3: Yeah. At this point, I would take either one of them playing the two than Tamar Bates for Indiana. That dude was 0 for 13 in the tournament. He looks like a brontosaurus on roller skates, and he was completely out of control, I thought. And But the thing that's interesting is when you look at a Miami, You look at the pace they play, and and as a viewer, it makes you nervous. I mean, it's like it it, it totally takes you out of your rhythm. And, you know, every time that Indiana tried to make a run, I mean, when Indiana came back and took the lead early in the second half, you're thinking, okay, I thought it was going to be like Mackey Arena's game all over again, where it was like, okay, they got down early, they kind of weathered the storm, they took the lead, and now they're just going to build on it. And Miami came right back. And Indiana, at that point, they folded. They flat-out folded. They looked like they – you know, Purdue looked like they were the fans that were looking at the clock going, this isn't really happening, is it? And Indiana looked like a group that's like, I don't know what's happening. I just know I don't want to be a part of it. It was disappointing on both counts.
1: By the way, Chubby, Mark Holton, and Teen Wolf, he could knock down a jump shot and at the same time eat a payday during the game. So that was pretty impressive.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And the basketball was so realistic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had I had uh what's his name? Mick. I think it's something Arnold on uh, the actor that played Mick. And we got into the conversation, this is like years ago, about Teen Wolf and um we were talking about basketball and he said, you know, what's interesting about that is I had never played a game of basketball in my life and I thought
3: Yeah. Really? <laughs> you don't say <laughs> You, know the entire staff, know the entire cast of a season on the break.
1: <laughs> oh, you, you laugh because it does, hurt. I want to get back to IU with you in a second. But you talk about speed and tempo, um, all of which just really crushed Purdue on Friday, even against a team like Fairleigh Dickinson, who didn't even win their own league. They backed into that, uh, finishing second to Merrimack, who was not – able to play Division One going into the NCAA tournament just yet. I shouldn't say Division One, but not able uh, to go to the NCAA tournament just yet. So you look at it that way. I, like, everybody's screaming for Matt's job, and I know everybody is mad about it. That's not the solution. The solution is going to lie what type of backcourt in the future, especially, he can put together. And, Jake, let me tell you this. If you turn it over 16 times and you shoot 19% from three-point range, if those numbers are that close, you're not going to beat anybody. You're just not.
3: That's totally correct. Um, I understand the frustration with the way things have gone for Purdue. I, I do. And I understand the impatience with three years in a row becoming obviously you know, not an anomaly but a pattern. I do have a great deal of respect for Matt Painter. I think he is not only a very good basketball coach, I think he's an outstanding representative of the university and the way that if I was a booster or an alum or a fan of Purdue that I would want them represented. That said, I I do feel like late in that game, the thing that's bewildering to me is that I know Matt Painter knows the game of basketball and more than I do. But it seemed like schematically they got away from in the last five or six minutes what would have been able to allow them. Because you're thinking to yourself, okay, they're, they're not going to blow these guys out at this point. Just survive in advance, right? Survive, regroup, and advance. And not getting the ball into Zach Eady. And I get the fact that, that fairly Dickinson did a really good job of, you know, basically doubling him, bordering, tripling him, and just saying, okay, let Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith and Mason, go, you guys shoot, beat us that way and it's not Matt Painter's responsibility that those guys weren't knocking down shots, but it probably is his responsibility to then make alterations as to where the ball is going and what their sets are designed to do. All of that said, I think what, what Matt Painter needs to assess, John, in my opinion, is I think Purdue has masterfully figured out the blueprint on being a competitor every year for the Big League, the Big 10 League title and playing that style of play better than the other teams in the league. The problem is for the most part all of the teams in the Big 10 play the same style of play and it's a style of play that is not really replicated by most power schools in the country. So at the beginning of the year, I think that Purdue got a really good resume built and probably a falsified identity of national competitiveness based on the fact that Zach Eady had improved so much that people didn't know how to guard Purdue in November and December. And then once they got that blueprint and kind of figured it out, I think Purdue didn't have to make a lot of tweak because in the first go-round of the Big Ten, they you know kind of dominated everybody. And then everybody figured out how to make adjustments. And Purdue down the stretch, truth be told, from February, mid-February on, was a good team but not an elite team. And I don't know that they made the proper adjustments to change the way that they played because the way they play is a blueprint on how to win the big 10, but not necessarily on how to transfer that into winning against varying styles from varying leagues. And that's the thing that Matt painter is going to have to figure out and make adjustment to. And I'm confident he can do it because I think he's a very good coach, but, I get also why Purdue fans at this point would be like, that's wonderful, but I'm out of patience. I get it. However, Micah Shrewsbury is a wonderful coach at Penn State, but outside of that, I mean, who realistically are you going to get there? I think Matt Painter is still one of the 10 to 15 best coaches in college basketball, and if people want to come after me for that, that's cool. I get it, but I have a great deal of respect for him.
1: Jay Quay, The Morning Show with us. I mentioned this regarding offense, and this is just my – novice opinion, especially in in terms of which it changes from the Big Ten to once you get into the NCAA tournament. I think that, and I think we've seen this with uh, Michigan State, too, and, and Dane was on here earlier. I should probably ask Dane, not on the show, but at least in studio for the midday show. Uh, teams that can run an offense, that's great, and run their offense, run their stuff, that's fantastic, but when you can also free-flow and run, and you know, play that style of basketball too. While also, you know, sticking to your principles offensively speaking, you know, and running your stuff. I, I think that's what best benefits the tournament because when you get out and run, you can find ways to get easy baskets or easier baskets and easier looks. Like with Purdue, everything is in the half court. And everything seems like it's excruciatingly hard, or at least it felt that way on Friday. And you watch all these other teams, they're getting up and down the floor. And again, they're making shots, which makes any offense look great. But the free flow that's outside of the offense of what you normally do, I think that that is what helps teams advance in this tournament, helps teams end up winning games in this tournament. And I think sometimes you get a team that's kind of stuck in in their principles and their ways, and that's where it can really burn you.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think also, you know, Purdue is a lot like, you know, Purdue is basically saying, like, we're going to do what we do, and we're just going to do it until someone figures out how to stop us from doing it. And I think teams figured out how to stop them from doing it, and they didn't properly adjust to it. You know, the, the interesting thing to me is if you really look at the guards, the guard problems for Purdue and Indiana, the compromise is kind of in the middle. And by that, I mean Braden Smith at the beginning of the year, I was one of those that was like, hey, Indiana can have their five-star McDonald's All-American, out-of-market point guard that's going to the NBA next year because Purdue just found another four-year guy that is smarter than everybody on the floor as a, as a, as a player and as a bulldog. And Brayden Smith's going to be a fine player. But he was not fine in the first round of the tournament. He looked totally in over his head. He had seven turnovers. He didn't shoot the ball well. Same with Lawyer. Didn't shoot the ball well at all the last six weeks of the season. On the other hand, you have Indiana with Jalen hood shafino who clearly has the skill set clearly has the potential and that potential is going to get him drafted in the first round, probably in the first 20 picks because he's shown enough flashes of it, but he also lacks the consistency that you would want with that comes with that skill set, And a lot of that probably just comes with age, but so on Indiana's hand, you have a guy that does have the ability and open space to be able to dictate pace and score in the mid range game. And on Purdue's hand, you have a guy that wants to slow it down and and be crafty and figure out where the ball needs to go. But both of them hit the skids heading into the tournament, which is the absolute worst time to do it because you have to have good guard play. And neither team, John, has the depth in backcourt to be able to offset an off-night from those two guys. And it sank both clubs.
1: Yeah, well, and they both have styles of play. In this case, rely upon, uh, relying upon you know, somebody in the half court, you know, dumping it inside and making a move and going to the glass like that. And, you know, look around and they may be the only two teams that play that way. Yeah. I mean, that, that may, that may be it. So I, and, and I want to get back to the Purdue thing, because again, this is my novice opinion on it. And I know that you want to run an offense because you've had success in it. I don't know how you end up, pushing tempo very much with edie and it's not because he's slow i'm not saying that it's because you do still want to stick with the principles of getting him the ball in the half court that does kind of defeat the purpose but i just think you got to in this tournament find the occasional easy basket and when you score 58 points and you struggle shooting the ball as they did it was few and far between and you even go back to last year jake What was the the big criticism of that team last year? It was when Jaden Ivey goes to work, everybody kind of stands around and watches. So you've got, like, different – they need to be somewhere in the middle there, if you know what I mean. They need to be somewhere in the middle. That's, I think, what he needs to find. I wish I had an answer for him. I'd give it to him, and he'd probably laugh, but I I just – I don't know what that that answer is. I just – I know this. The teams that normally advance find ways to score some easy baskets and then make plays when you need to make those plays. That's what sets you apart. It just has been – that game on Friday was just so difficult for Purdue to score, and it can't be that. I mean, beyond your shooting numbers, it just can't be that.
3: I also think that, John – the thing for Purdue fans, and Indiana fans too, that also adds sting to it, this is a unique tournament this year. You know, when you look at it, and I and I realize that Houston's really good, and UCLA's really good, and Alabama in particular is really good. But by just perception and the eye test, when you look at the bracket and you look at the remaining teams, and there's no Kentucky, and there's no Duke, and there's no North Carolina who wasn't even in the tournament. And there's no Arizona and there's no Kansas. And so it's, and there's no Baylor and there's no Marquette. It feels like it was wide open. And it feels like if, if even with the flaws that we're talking about for either team, in the eyes of a fan, they're thinking to themselves, because I did it my, trust me, man, my entire life. I, I'm still mocked. Linda McQuiston, my freshman year English X teacher at North Central High School, every time I see her says to me, did you pick Indiana for the Final Four again? Because I picked them for the Final Four in 88, and they lost to Richmond. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm telling you, like, the bracket was going to open up for them. Because that's what happens when you're a fan. And I think fans look at this bracket, John, and it it is an added gut punch because it feels wide open. Half the teams in this bracket, I told Bowen this morning, look like it's the college football expanded playoffs, right? I mean, Texas and Tennessee and Alabama, I mean, you know, you don't have the blue bloods in there, man. It just feels like this was the year that was ripe for somebody to come in and steal it.
1: Yeah, well, that's why I picked Gonzaga, too, because Gonzaga's not nearly as good as they have been. And, you know, they're back again in the Sweet 16 for, what, the eighth consecutive time? I, I still laugh when people call them chokers, too. I laugh when they're called chokers. And and that is – that is I don't care what anybody says. I know they play in the West Coast Conference. That is a college basketball blue blood, is it not? They're a blue you know, blood.
3: They are, no question. Now, if somebody asked me this question, and I should have asked this this morning on the air, and I forgot to, so I'll ask you just for people to ponder. I think it's a great question. Would you rather be Purdue, who gets a number 1 seed and gets beat by a 16 seed and becomes kind of the giggling stock of the country, or would you rather have a year like North Carolina did where you are the preseason number 1 and miss the tournament?
1: I don't think in any way, shape, or form, especially with the recent history, that you want what Purdue was served on Friday. Okay. You don't want that. You do not want that. That that is the last thing that any of them needed. Oh, it's, yeah. And I, I mean, mi- it. missing it, is, missing it is one thing. It's you know, but this, I get it. I get it. Like, you know, here's what's funny about what you're saying too. Like like missing it, missing it would be like grounds for dismissal, right? Because you're missing it. You didn't win your tournament. You didn't win your league. You're not winning, so you missed it. That's grounds for dismissal. Um, to me. What he has done is not grounds for dismissal, but it is worse considering the history that they have in that tournament.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, the precedent, I mean, and look, I think it's a fair question of, like, how does Purdue psychologically bounce back from this? I don't know that it has the long-term effect on Purdue and that we will know that until next tournament, where if they're playing all of a sudden – They're in the opening round, and they're playing Coppin State, and they're down three with four minutes to go. You know, is it pucker time again? Now, you know, Virginia lost to UMBC, and they got blown out. Like, when Virginia was the first number one seed and the only other number one seed to lose to a 16, they got run off the floor. But they came back the next year and won the national championship. So you saw, you know, it didn't affect Virginia. But it remains to be seen how it's going to affect Purdue. And, you know, I think it's probably realistic that Zach Eady's not one. I mean – I shouldn't say that. I, I don't know what Zach Eadie's going to do. I, I think he will explore. If I'm Zach Eadie, I explore coming out probably because it's like, well, how is your stock going to be any higher? And I don't even know that he's a drafted player at this point, but he could make some money playing somewhere next year. And if I'm Zach Eadie, I'm going, I, look, are they going to get me any more help? Because, I mean, Roosevelt. I, I thinking, don't know. Yeah, I, I in, it, you
1: know. And this is just me here. I don't know how any of those guys – that can come back wouldn't because you don't want to go out like that that's that make it easy it's easy for me to say right here mr got no you know monetary stake in the game easy for me to say and i realize that but there is no way in the world if you're competitive with that group you want to go out like that
3: didn't zach Eady infer midway through the year this year that he was disappointed by the nl nil money that he had so far I thought I'd heard that somewhere. I, I don't remember it, right, but you might in be right. overly rude way, but, but, you know, if, and I don't know. I, I don't think Zach Eady is certainly not a first-round pick. I don't know that he's a drafted player in the NBA, but I do think that he'd probably get opportunity. But if he doesn't, he certainly could play in Europe and make good tax-free money. Without risk of you know getting injured and losing out on any revenue whatsoever, so you'd have to explore it if you're having. Yeah, it,
1: I mean he's going to have some money to be made playing basketball. There's there's no doubt somewhere. I, I will say this too, you know we were talking about Boilermaker fans, Jake wanting to run, you know Matt Painter out of town after that loss. It's not going to take much to run a lot of these guys out of town. Like it's weird you see Rick Patino take that St. John's job, and what is he like 175 years old, and he signed for six years. A lot of these guys, this NIL and this transfer portal, enough is enough. And it's going to, I think, be an easy decision for some of these guys to make to disassociate with the head coaching ranks or the coaching ranks in college basketball than it ever has been because there is so much of a consistent headache to deal with. And those two things, when it's the Wild West as it is right now and there are no guardrails, I think makes a decision. I'm not going to suggest it's easy for anybody, but it makes it feasible now more than ever to just go ahead and step away from it, get out of it.
3: So allow me to ask you this, John. Yep. Which guy do you think should be more immediate in terms of looking through and sifting the, the transfer portal for incoming prospects, Matt Painter or Mike Woodson?
1: Well, from sheer numbers, it's Mike. Woodson, but
3: right, Hannah, it, is,
1: it is for help with what you were clearly lacking when it really mattered, Matt's got to find some quick, slick, guard play somewhere. And whether or not, you know, maybe maybe uh, Roosevelt Colvin's kid Miles can help uh, coming out of high school. I mean, if it's for a spot or two, it's Matt considering where they're going to be ranked going into next year. But if if it's for sheer numbers and to make sure you don't take uh, many steps back, it's going to be Mike.
3: And I think that, you know, Purdue thought they were going to get Nigel Pack, I think. I think I truly did think he was going to be on the roster this year. Who Who knows what a difference that would have made. You know, the reality is, just based on the law of averages, both of them are going to have somebody enter the transfer portal. In Indiana's case, I think it could be more than one person. I mean, if Malik Renew, you would think, looks at it and goes, okay, I'm going to stay because the guys that played in front of me are, are gone. But, you know, Geronimo, Banks, Bates, for that matter, DJ gun I mean I think all those guys look at it and that's not a knock on or an indictment on them or anybody from purdue either that's just the reality of today's college basketball right I mean it's it's free agency 101 it's Nil let's see what's yep. out there and and let's yep. go so yep I think there could be a big turnover
1: and in your How snap think- your your snap reactions or snap judgments after a bad game or not getting run or not getting to play enough throughout the portion of the season all that is is right there. In making a snap decision and jumping into that portal immediately, it's so easy to do. What do you got?
3: I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I apologize because I've been doing a bunch of stuff this afternoon and did not get a chance to look. I think they went into overtime. What happened to your trees today?
1: They lost, Ah, like 88, 89 to 88 or something.
3: They they don't want to guard.
1: They don't want to guard. They score, but it's like a big pickup game to them.
3: But John, I'll (laughs) tell you what. Yeah, for Indiana State, you know that. And we can kind of giggle or whatever at the CBI tournament. Look, that, I think that's good for them. Got to play, keep playing to go to go in and keep playing and keep yeah. getting their practice. I mean, I think all told, they had a decent year. And I and I'm actually I they exceeded my expectation going in, and and I'm fairly intrigued by what they can do next year. Yeah,
1: they um they just not only can they not guard anybody, they really don't have much. Um, they don't they don't really want to guard. <laughs> like they don't have much of a motivation to win a car, so that's problematic. Anyway,
3: so they're basically you playing pickup.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. If 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 they stood out by the hash mark and watched other people do stuff, that would be me. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's
1: it's pretty close though, not too far away. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you as always. All right. Good talking to you. Jay Query Morning Show. Kevin and Query tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Michael Lewis, the Ball State head coach. We've got Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. Top of the hour. ninety three five one zero seven five. the fan.
0: The Ride with JMV.
2: Attention, whoever you are. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The-
0: Lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Pacers Hornets
1: later on tonight. 6.30, your coverage right here. Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, top of the hour. Sweet 16, they get Tennessee. Madison Square Garden, a little Green County love thrown around coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, from Dubois County to Green County, but now from Delaware County to where I sit in Marion County. The head coach of Ball State, friend of the show, Michael Lewis, joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Are you out and about?
5: No, I'm in the office. In, in the, the office, office. watching uh, Transfer Portal film. Exciting stuff today.
1: How many names are in the Transfer Portal right now?
5: Well, I think it's been open a week um, now, and there's over 600 names.
1: So. That's incredible. That, no, I, I'm glad that you brought that up first. Give me, <laughs> give me the effect that that has on you and your program, and then you know, talk about how it affects absolutely everybody, both good yeah. and bad, in your estimation.
5: Yeah, I, I, you know, I think you know, for for us, I think we got to learn how to navigate it to best um, <clears throat> build a roster here at at Ball State to. Um, be competitive year in and year out. And when I mean that, like, okay, we won 20 games this first year. is a great first year. Like, we need to continue to build on that. So how can we use the portal to help our program improve? And then, you know, conversely, like, we, you know, Peyton Sparks went in the portal. And, you know, I look at that from a standpoint of, you know, he's had a dream to play at the highest level of college basketball since he was a little kid. And, and, uh, you know, he expressed that, you know, he – you know, he grew up obviously in Indiana, and and uh, you know has watched the Big Ten, and you know that's always been appealing to him. And part of our job, I think, at our level, just as as you know it was at other places where, you know, you try to help a kid become a professional and reach their highest level. Like, um, you know, I think uh, Peyton feels like we, you know, over this year, like hopefully we've done our job as coaches and gotten him better to the point that he can chase his dream, and we've got to be able to, to support that. So I think um, there's a lot of good and bad in it. I think each each situation is is um, of its own, um, but we got to figure out how to use it best uh, for Ball State. So we're in there looking for for players that fit our program, and then obviously we've got somebody in there that we're trying to help um, chase their dream of, of playing college basketball at the highest level.
1: Yeah, he's 13.5 and, and nearly nine rebounds per this past season. How difficult... Is that going to be to replace for you and trying to track that
5: down? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, anytime you get that type of production, I think it's going to be difficult. But the, there's also guys in the portal that that have you know similar numbers and so uh, we got to do what's best for ball state and get guys that fit what we're trying to do and um, you know I, I think the thing that it has hurt the most is maybe high school recruiting you know I think the combination of the portal um, and the code the extra COVID year that some of these guys are getting um, you know it, it basically skipped a it adds backed up a whole class of, of recruits. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult, um, at any level, you know, the transition from high school to college, um, to make that adjustment. Um, and now you, you got teams that can come in and instead of taking an 18 year old, they can take a 22 year old that's played three or four years of college basketball, um, you know, to fill a gap. And so I think it's just kind of caused a log jam, um, you know, in the whole recruiting process. And then, um, you know, just just having that number of of, of players available to programs, and um, you know, guys are just trying to you know stockpile talent on a roster, and you're you're not really trying to build a program anymore. You're trying to um, you know construct the best roster you can year in and year out to compete for your your university.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be so different. If if you had if you had your voice to be heard to make up rules that you think would be better for how to deal with this. I'm yeah, assuming you know, you're do. a smart guy from Dubois County. There, I know you get the smarts yeah, real right, good right. from Jasper. Uh, <laughs> you, you have anything in mind, designs in mind that would be better suited for everybody? Not everybody's going to be happy with anything. Don't get me wrong, but
5: yeah, you know, it's that's 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 hard to say. Like I, you know, like you know, because we're we're looking on both ends of it. We're like we're looking at the portal to uh, advance our program, and we're also, um, you know, got you know a really productive player in the portal that's looking to. Um, you know, advance himself, and, and I think, you know, we got to support both of those. Like, I, you know, I'm not angry, you know, at Peyton Sparks for his decision. You know, that's like I said, I think that's part of our job is helping him get to where he wants to go, um, and I don't know what the right answer is, and, and um, you know, there's a lot of things in, in college basketball, college athletics that are happening right now that, um, you know, I think should have been in place a long time ago. I think some, but I also think some of them, you know, could, could affect our game. Uh, in a negative way, and um, you know, not not everybody in college athletics is the same. You know, there's, you've got football and you've got men's basketball and you've got everybody else, and and yet we've got um, a system in place that wants to treat us all the same, and it's it's just not, um, you know, how how it is. Like this is, um, this is a business. You know, I, however you want to cut it up, it, it's a business. Like all you have to do is look at what's going on. Uh, Right now with the tournament, like, you know, it's a business and there's a, there's a lot of money involved. And uh, so there's a lot of different decisions that go into play that, you know, you know, just, just let's admit what we are and try to try to do what's best for the student athletes because they only, they only got one chance to do this.
1: It's uh, Michael Lewis with us. By the way, Dane Fife has told me many times to bring you on the show and call you Dennis.
5: Yeah. 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 Well, Is that, that him Michael being a Dennis. jerk
1: or do you want to be known as Dennis? Should I just call you Dennis yeah. from now on?
5: No, I mean I've been called Michael my whole life, so you know, that's that's what happens when you're uh when you're college teammates and you travel together and, and uh you know, official documentation gets on with passports and driver's licenses and things like that. So What's Fife's uh, middle name? I don't know. Never really bothered me. Never seemed never really <laughs> crossed my mind why I should ever care, so you know, like, you never thought
1: you'd be in this position, sitting at your desk, looking over transfer portal footage, yeah. talking on a radio show, and being asked that. So,
5: yeah, nor no, I mean, why why would Fife ever be concerned with that either? But you know, obviously, it's something for him. <laughs>
1: It's always something for him. (laughs) Always something for him for sure. Um, I'm curious, uh, the differences and obviously you saw so much with with Mick Cronin and UCLA in, in years past here. The differences you see from a conference season. And playing well in the conference season compared to all of a sudden going to the NCAA tournament. How big of a difference in play, style of play is that from what you have seen? What is it best suited for teams to stick to their principles, run their offenses? I always think about getting out at times and getting easy scores. So if it's in the flow of the game and it's outside of the offense, that's okay. Is that reasonable or is that just me not knowing what I'm talking about?
5: Well, I, I think um when you get in a tournament situation like you're you're a bad game from going home um you know you're you're a lack of attention to detail from from going home and i you know i I don't think that um when you enter the tournament you all you just try to become somebody you're not like you are kind of who you are you've played 31 32 35 games you know for some of these teams uh you kind of are who you are and so you try to uh impose your strengths into the game whatever those strengths are and you you try to make your opponents defeat you by doing something other than their their strengths um you know obviously you get in those high level games um you know I know when 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 we made our final four run a couple years ago um you know we we got there by taking a lot of really difficult two point pull up jump shots because of the opponents that we were playing that's what that led to was um but luckily we had guys that could do that um, and so, you you know, you, you get in those hard shots or, uh, you know, good shots are really difficult to to get um, in high-level games. You know, the athletes are good, the scouting reports are, are too good, uh, and you kind of know what everybody's doing by the time you get to this this point in the year. And so, you know, I think you've got to take the, the shot that, that uh, presents itself um, the most. And, and whether that's in transition or in your offense, um, you've got to try to impose – impose your strengths, but I don't think you just try to recreate yourself in the postseason. I, I think you're, you know, one, I think you, you show your team uh, a real lack of confidence in who you are and what got you to that point. Um, and it's just, you know, that's not it's not going to work. So I think you just try to, to be who you are, and, but just try to be the best version of yourself. You know, I don't think you start changing a bunch of things. Um, once you get to postseason
1: play, it's uh, Michael Lewis, the head coach of Ball State's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pipeline. A couple of years ago, Lucas Oil Stadium national semifinal, uh, it was fantastic. UCLA and Gonzaga. A couple of years later, you're a Muncie, but uh, Coach Mick and TJ Wolf and the gang get Gonzaga coming up here. This weekend, actually on Thursday night, I believe that it is, in uh, the Sweet 16. Um, obviously, besides the talent on the floor, because some of that has exited to the NBA, give me some differences and some similarities to that matchup.
5: Well, I mean, I think for Gonzaga, they're missing two, you know, pros, you know, in, in the backcourt. Um, and, you know, I think that's, you know, I think Gonzaga's a really good team this year, but I, I think from an overall talent standpoint, they're missing that, um, you know, that lottery pick, that first-round draft choice. You know, I'm not sure they have that in in their backcourt this year. Um, You know, the UCLA team is, um, you know, know, that that was a team that I thought really the last month of the season um, was playing as well as anybody in the country. And and then the injury to to Jalen Clark um, happened. But I think in that absence, you've seen, um, you know, and a, a freshman, a very talented freshman, and Amari Bailey really kind of, you know, go to another level and and provide them with some, uh, you know, a little bit more offensive spark. Um, but they're missing, the, you know, Jalen's defensive presence, and then you know how healthy is a Bona on the inside because he's obviously a a great presence on the interior from a defensive standpoint. But, um, you know, I, I just obviously, um, you know, my heart is is in uh, with UCLA in this deal and. And uh it'd be you know I can't wait to watch them play and and really excited for them and uh you know, I hope that they they can make another run and get back to another final four, but i you know three consecutive sweet sixteens is uh really 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 impressive
1: yeah it is so fun to watch they they still are fun to watch, and
5: they just you know they just compete, they just play so hard, like I think you know I think you know Jaime you know is is uh you know exactly the type of guy that you want um you know from a college player you know today like he's he's been there four years like he's you know he's he's won a ton of ncaa tournament games like obviously there's one thing missing um you know which you know that's that's how you're judged out there and in westwood and and uh you know tiger campbell's had an outstanding career they've yep. got a bunch of really good um you know basketball players and really good dudes out there yeah guards in
1: control you saw that with uh what's his name noel of kansas state yesterday guards yeah. in control and yeah you, you see that with tyler campbell that, that has been just a constant for that team and certainly something you'd see a bunch of
5: yeah I mean guard I mean this is you know basketball is you got to have some perimeter skills like even if you're a, a a post player these days like just the way the game is is evolving like you you've got to have um you know some some perimeter skills and and I think you you know you saw it last night with with miami and, and i u like they just had no answer for the 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 number of different guards that could attack, you know, Indiana, like Miami just went right at them and they, you know, just, you know, just couldn't, couldn't keep them in front. And then you're in rotations, giving up open shots, and then you're out of position from a blackout standpoint. Um, you know, this is the guard, the guard play is, is, uh, is huge uh, in the postseason.
1: Yeah. You saw that Purdue and, and fairly Dickinson too, going back to Friday. And, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier, Purdue turned it over 16 times and shot 19% from three point range. I, I, that, the, when your turnovers approach that number of your percentage shooting threes, then that's going to be a struggle. I don't know who you
8: beat. Yeah. Well, you, you you know you get you know you're dealing with
5: eighteen to twenty two year old kids. You know you still got to remember that. You know and, and you got to can you know remind yourself of what you're dealing with. And you're you're a bad you're a bad day a bad game from going home. And and uh, sometimes they could just come at an inopportune time. Like you know that happens at the end of January. Okay, you lose at Penn State. Okay. Well, you live and play another day. You know that happens in in March. You know, mid to late March, your season ends. You know, it, it, it's really no no different. But um, you know, that's that's also what makes the NCA tournament so exciting.
1: Hey, can I put video footage of me in the transfer portal?
5: Yeah. Good luck with that. You know, there's, yeah. Good luck with that. Could I though? You know,
1: I've got some footage you know, of me.
5: You know, I think I think you know, with the number of guys in there, I think you can probably. You can get Maybe we bring back Ivan Rinko. Remember Ivan Rinko? <laughs> <laughs> Remember Ivan Rinko. Get Ivan Rinko in the transfer portal. i will get a few phone calls, I promise.
1: Man, I'm just kind of curious if my phone would ring.
5: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely.
1: I got some good footage of me right there at Cinegro <laughs> shooting from the volleyball line. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's great. That's great.
1: Hey, I'm happy for you. You had an outstanding first year in Muncie. Man. Outstanding twenty win season. Well done.
5: Well, I appreciate it. We had a good group of guys that, that um you know, that really kinda embraced um you know, what we what we were trying to to get in place from, from day one, and, and it was great watching them, you know, experience some success. I think, you know, across the board it was the best college team that any of these guys had, had been on. And, and I think, um, you know, able to kind of reestablish some pride in, in, uh, in Ball State and across the state from an alumni standpoint and obviously created a lot of excitement here on campus and in Muncie. I think a great uh, first step for where we want to take uh, our basketball program. So, you know, I, I said it all the time. I've said it in the media a ton. Um, you know like i there's no reason we can't have a good program here at ball state and i think we took a big step there and i think um you know the state of indiana you know with their you know their love for the game like they deserve good basketball programs in their state and we're just trying to trying to do our part and and put one here in muncie yeah
1: yeah no doubt about that well fantastic first year up there i'm very happy for you you know that whenever you need anything you let me know and uh, give my best to the family too don't be a stranger get down here sometime hang out a little bit
5: Absolutely. But Let's you're not looking at it. film.
1: And if you come across film of me in there. I'll give you a call. Give me, give me a call. That'd be great. Man, <laughs> you know, that's
5: a good character I, builder for me. I can take on a charity case or
1: two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. I appreciate you more than you know, man. Stay in touch. All right. Thank you. So uh, Michael Lewis, the head coach of Ball State. Eddie Moore Automotive Group Potline. Equally fantastic dude. Dusty May, top of the hour, Florida Atlantic, going to the Sweet 16. One hellaciously awesome story for the dude just like me from Eastern Green, the pride of Green County, top of the hour, 93.5107.5, The Fan.
0: The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, the cream of the crop, and there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
1: That right there is one of the best wrestling talk-ups of all time. The late, great, Randy, Macho Man Savage. Jeremiah says, that was awesome how Coach Lewis just called you a charity case. Jeremy says, I don't think Coach Lewis liked being referenced as Dennis. Well, if he didn't, he needs to blame Dane Fife. Not me, Dane Fife. So Ed Cooley moves from Providence to Georgetown, Rick Patino from Iona to St. John's earlier today. That is your college basketball coaching movement news. What did he say? 600 plus in the transfer portal? Can I get in the transfer portal? Do you have to be registered in college? There's got to be a way I can get in there. Yeah, That is a lot already. I mean, hell, I think four Butler Bulldogs are in there. We'll watch and see if anything shakes out. A couple of days clear for both IU and Purdue, too. All right. Dusty May, just like me, from Eastern Green, Green County shout out. Just a couple of GCers talking hoops. Dusty May is going to coach in the Sweet 16 in Madison Square Garden. That blows my mind. Could not be more happy for him. The head coach of Florida Atlantic joins us next.
0: The Ride with JMV. Look up idiots in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me. No! The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
1: Michael Lewis, a little bit earlier. Jake Query, The Morning Show, a little bit earlier. Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Incredibly happy for our next guest, a fellow Green County, and, of course, the nine-seeded Florida Atlantic Owls get the four-seed Tennessee. I cannot come to grips with this awesomeness right here coaching in the Sweet 16 in Madison Square Garden later on this week. The head coach of the Owls, Dusty May, from Eastern Green, is back with us again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I am thrilled, man. Absolutely thrilled. Congratulations.
6: I appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me on again.
1: All right. By the way, too, Greg Doyle referenced you as a fitness guy. Are you a fitness guy?
6: <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. At times, at times I am. I'm pretty inconsistent now in my old age. <laughs> yeah, your
2: old age.
6: <laughs> I think it's, I think that's due to the fact that I, I I usually ride my bike to work, so I get a couple miles there, and then I I walk and talk to make my calls. So I guess if that's considered fitness, but I don't think I don't think my heart rate ever gets too high anymore.
1: Are you a cyclist now?
6: No, just just casually. All
1: right. 'Cause we're gonna go. I think we're going to play at Southport High School here after I get done here, a little hoop. But I know you're not around and you can't play, but you would if you were here though, right? You'd play? I would for sure, absolutely. I can't get Fife to go. He's too big for it. He's too he's too good. <laughs> you mean
6: too big? Too big as in heavy or too big?
1: <laughs> no, too big. Too big as in I'm <laughs> a better basketball player than you clowns.
6: Yeah, I'm joking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um Beyond your wildest dreams. Here, I mean, is it, do you pinch yourself a couple of different times knowing where where you have been and where you're going right now with this team?
6: Yeah, it, you know, this morning you're so sleep-deprived and we're traveling and a couple of people calling and you say, man, this, this is real. This is happening. It's not a dream. But um, like I've told several people, when you're in the eye of the storm, you don't have too much time to, to think about it. It's, it's on to the next thing. We've got to prepare for Tennessee. We've got a lot of things to, to work through logistically. And uh, we're in the process of doing all that. So we're excited, but um, I'm, sure, I'm sure after the fact, it'll be something we'll really cherish.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, I know that you felt that this certainly could have been a goal this season for, for this team. There's no doubt about that. But let's double back here for a moment to that Memphis game. Because uh, I mean, it was a draw up at the end. You get that layup, and uh, you guys move on. It kind of seemed like that. That was, I mean, that you have signature moments in tournaments, and maybe yours is still to come. But that certainly seemed like a signature moment for you and your team and your guys in that moment.
6: Yeah, I think so. I mean, anytime you can win on on essentially a, a buzzer beater, there's a few seconds left. But anytime you can essentially win on a buzzer beater in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I would say it solidifies Nick Boyd into one shining moment. Yeah. And yeah. and all that goes with that. So pretty special moment, but like I said, John, when when uh when you gotta turn the page and, and start preparing an, for another game immediately after, you don't have too much time to, to, to feel great about it.
1: Would you realize that this team could have this type of run, this type of season to this point in them, Dust?
6: Well obviously with uh, thirty three wins, you, you you never predict that just because it's so hard to win each and every night a lot has to go right as far as injuries matchups timing and we've been very fortunate this year where our guys have been healthy we haven't had to to play guys too many minutes where they've been worn down and our guys genuinely like practice and preparing. So it's, it's been awesome in, in those regards. But it just seemed like last year we invented ways to lose and we still won 19 games. So we, we felt we were on the verge of a breakthrough. Now, we didn't know when that would happen. And, and like I said, you, uh, the, 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 I guess the randomness of winning is always something that, that you know I look at there. Uh, you know, This year we've had a couple times where, where for example, we're at North Texas and, and we foul – uh, one of their better players, and he misses a front end of, of a one-on-one one late in the game, and then we beat him at home when, when Golden, uh, our big center steps up and make like two free throws. Where those, I think last year the the opposition would have definitely made those free throws, and then we probably would have missed a couple free throws. So it's just it's been one of those years where everything, you know, I, I'm, I'm not naive to it. Everything has gone really right this year, but these guys deserve this type of success because of how hard they work and, and the amount they've sacrificed for each other.
1: He is a Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. They get tennessee in the sweet 16 in madison square garden he joins us via the andy moore automotive group hotline um here's what's funny too it's like yesterday all of a sudden you guys became kind of the villain Playing fairly Dickinson, right? I mean, all of a sudden, the entire yeah. house in Columbus was cheering against you. That, uh, y- y- your team seemed like it hung with it, but was there any, like, initial kind of shock value to the crowd turning on you? Normally, you guys would be the underdog, but in this case, you weren't with fairly Dickinson.
6: Well, we talked about that, uh, obviously going into it. If we if we found we figured against Memphis, we'd be able to get all the casual fans rooting for the underdog. And, you know, then obviously an 8-9 game, we weren't, it was a, I think maybe a one- or two-point spread. So it wasn't as if we were the Cinderella team, but just the fact that the name recognition and, and the power of Memphis's brand. And to be honest, Memphis was, was really underseeded. Their, their metrics and everything, they, they should have been a top five or six seed. But nonetheless, and then, so we talked about it, if we were fortunate enough to play Purdue, we felt like with Ohio State fans and, and, and everyone else there that they would be rooting for us and we'd have almost a home crowd. Well, obviously the, the script was, was flipped and FD, FDU definitely fed off of it. They played in the second half with unbelievable energy, and, and it felt like we were in a true road game. Um, and yeah, we we definitely became the villain somehow, some way. It's it's odd because our guys are are, are unbelievable kids, young men. Uh, they're they're great people. They're great citizens. So it was a little bit odd, but that's sports, and uh, you know we'll embrace whatever role we need as long as we find a way to get a win.
1: Yeah, and I mean yeah, just that would have to be odd. Like you said, just all of a sudden knowing that hey, now you're the favorite, and uh, yeah, because if uh, again you'd be more expect- expecting that uh, they would be uh, rooting for you in some of those moments. John L. Davis is incredible to me, especially down the stretching games, because he's cool, he's calm, and he's collected, and he he's got that makeability from distance and on the interior. What makes him a different type of dude, especially late in games for you, Dusty?
6: You said he's got a different look. When when we're down, he's got a, a level of determination that man I haven't seen very often and confidence and focus and just belief that he's gonna make it happen. And anytime you have such a versatile game, there are a lot of guys that he needs that need screens to get their threes off, or they need a ball screen. He just scores in so many different ways that it's he's always a tough matchup. You know, for example, he found one possession, he had their point guard on him last night, he goes straight to the block. And hits his little left shoulder turnaround jumper. He has a big guy on him in transition. He gives in and out and gets to the rim. Uh, I think he might have even got an and one. So, anytime you can score in the number of ways he can, you're dangerous. But he just has a different look in his eye when the, the, the bigger the moment.
1: Yeah, I would. I, well, and he just looks. It doesn't look like he's sweating out there. Seriously, he just looks that cool.
6: Yeah, the the unique thing about John L. Is, 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 is since basically ever since he's been playing basketball and, and we really noticed in his freshman year, if there's a loose ball in his vicinity, uh, you can pretty much book. He's going to get nine out of 10 at least. We've even we've even uh, been uh, as a staff sitting on the bench during the games and a ball will squirt free and we'll say, oh, hey, I wonder who's going to get this one because he gets every single loose ball. He's got a he's got a, a, a great anticipation and knows for the ball and he's got incredibly strong hands. You don't see uh, him, him getting balls ripped out of his hands very often.
1: So, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It is Tennessee and the Owls coming up from Madison Square Garden. I want to give some love here because I think Giancarlo Rosado has given you tons of great minutes in these first two games. And not to say that he's not capable of it, um, and I haven't seen every single game this year. But in the last two, he has been there, and you kind of wonder where you guys would have been without what he has done production-wise for you.
6: We'd be back in Boca right now planning for twenty for next season <laughs> if, if it wasn't for the way Giancarlo's played. And that's that's the 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 the, uh, the crazy thing about it, John, is is Vlad Golden. Um, you know, according to a lot of people, felt like he was the most impactful big man in our conference. Yeah. And Mike Forrest is a is a career whatever eighteen hundred point scorer. Neither one of them have played well in the last two or three games up to their standards. And so we still feel like we have a, a much higher ceiling if we can ever really start clicking and getting more guys playing uh, as well as they typically do. So uh, yeah, but Giancarlo he's been awesome lately, and he's such a a, a, a night uh, just a, a matchup nightmare because he has guard skills as far as ball handling and passing. And he doesn't shoot threes, but he dribbles and passes like a guard, and he's got a really quick first step. So the, the, op, the uh, opponent's starting centers usually have trouble with him because he can get them on the perimeter and drive them and, and, and move them around a little
1: bit. For example, against Memphis, he did a couple of interior spin moves and got shots off and scored. It almost looked like that they were surprised by it. They were like, wait a minute, I didn't expect this from him.
6: Yeah, and, and he does it. He's more aggressive whenever we need it. A lot of times he's a, a pass-first big man, and he really enjoys passing it. But when we're struggling scoring, or he's got a matchup he likes, uh, he's pretty crafty around the basket with his spin moves, using the other side of the rim, shot faking. Uh, he's just he's continued to improve really day by day, and uh, he's, he's, he's really changed his body, so he's becoming a better athlete as well. So, like I said, we'd be back in Boca right now if it, if it wasn't for the way Giancarlo's been playing. Now, where are you today? we just flew to new york um our our band families administration everyone uh immediately after the game chartered back uh to boca and the team we would have only been back for one day so the team we took a charter flight this morning from columbus to new york just got up here uh, we're taking the day off practice uh we'll take the guys out to eat and then tomorrow we'll start in uh, with our tennessee prep
1: do you have to um re- remind them at the task at hand at all, like normal coaches would say, or coaches might have to do? Or is this the group where you can count on leadership within the team to do that?
6: We're 100% leadership within the team. These guys were asking for personnel this morning, they're asking for the scout. And obviously, the the, the staff we're, were always working, the assistants are always working ahead, but we didn't have the final plan done yet. Uh, but the guys were, you know, they're, they're antsy to get started. They they watch games on their own. They study their numbers. They were already talking this morning about how much more physical they need to play against Tennessee than we played the last two games. So it's a team that's, that's very self-motivated. They're driven. like I said, they they love and, and the, the work process is so uh, overused, but they love the process, which means they, they enjoy work. They enjoy practice. They enjoy the weight room. So all the stuff that gives them a competitive advantage, they enjoy doing it, and therefore they put a lot more in.
1: To it. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic coach joins us. I was going to ask you about some things that you and, and to this point too, they thought they could do much better in certain facets of either game in these first two wins for you. What stands out?
6: Well, number one, the ball hasn't been moving as well for us as it has all season. We're one of the better assist teams. I think we're number one or two in our league in assist-to-turnover ratio. We really move it around. And even Coach Davis, I was talking to him this morning, and he said, and we were talking about our game against them earlier in the year, He said, Dusty, you got to get your guys back to moving it. He said, the way you guys were moving it earlier in the year, it felt like there were eight players out there on offense because you, you would catch up to one. He would drive, kick, drive, kick, drive, kick. So we've got to get back to where we're moving the ball much better. But part of it, too, is the way we're being defended. Teams are staying at home on shooters and forcing us to score uh, in the paint or at the rim, so uh, we've got to do a better job of, of moving off penetration, but also um, we got to knock, we got to shoot it more efficiently. But most importantly, just just we got to probably cut a little bit better, but just be more willing passers and, and and get into a second or third side or second or third pass quicker.
1: Uh, he is Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You mentioned you've talked to uh, some people. Anybody stand out? And I know Mike White. And you, the head coach of Georgia, a guy that you are on his staff at Florida talk often. Have you discussed the game so far with him?
6: Yeah, actually, I was just I, I hung up with him uh, to, to call in to talk to you, John. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna hit him back in a minute. He watches us closely, and obviously we work together, so we know each other's team as well. And and him, uh, you know, he's just got a good good pulse of our team. So I ask him what he sees, and uh, you know those types of things. And then two of his assistants that used to be on my staff were actually three of them were actually were at our game yesterday, mm-hmm. so they were talking about that experience as well. So uh, you know a lot of common uh, commonalities with with uh, with Coach White, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm always interested to hear what outsiders see because they're not in the foxhole with this. They, they have a completely different perspective.
1: All right. So what do you think about Tennessee so far? I know you gave everybody the day off today, but looking ahead at that matchup. What do you think about uh, the volunteers, from what you know?
6: Well, at times, they've been the the best defensive team in the country, and and they've been top ten consistently all year. So, obviously, it's going to be tough to score. It's it's hard to get in the paint. It's hard to make threes over their size, length, and physicality. Uh, They asked last night in the press conference immediately after the game uh, what I thought about Tennessee, and I made a joke that we were going to start. We were studying Australian rules football, uh, to get ready for the balls and, and I, I guess that, that irritated a lot of people just it was a joke and jest about how physical they are we're obviously going to have to play lower than them more leverage than them and uh, be very very intelligent as far as being the, the aggressor and using our speed quickness and, and uh, I guess lack of height to get underneath them because they're huge and they're physical and they're aggressive and they pound the glass so we've got our hands full uh, we got to do a good job though of not getting broken down keeping bodies on bodies so we have a chance to rebound
1: yeah you know uh, people thought that maybe they would struggle obviously they they had a significant injury but uh it it appears that they they've just kind of raised their level of play even since that sec tournament
6: you know, and they did struggle a little bit immediately after Ziegler tore his ACL. I think they they lost three games maybe uh, short within the, the next the first couple weeks. But I think now they've been able to settle into rotation. They're finding their rhythm, and so they've they've kind of you know after hitting that little valley, they've, they're finding their stride again. And, and man, they're playing good basketball now.
1: Yeah, can't wait. Cannot wait to watch it. I was curious. Um, I-, I could almost look where you were saying, no, no, no. What would you tell Elijah Martin at the end of the game?
6: You know, I obviously wish he wouldn't have done it just because I don't want him. I don't want a, a wonderful human being, anyone to have a negative right. perception of a wonderful young man. I mean, he's he's got one of the best hearts of anyone I've ever been around. He's a caring person. He comes from a great family. So just the fact that people would judge him and, you know, not to make an excuse for him, but if he had to do all over again, he would dribble the clock out without a doubt. And it's a teachable moment. But it's, it's you know, we have an opportunity to go to Sweet 16. You watch yep. these guys now and they dunk in warm ups they dance coming in in the timeouts it's not something that that we grew up doing or that I would do now if I was playing i don't think but it is part of the culture of the game and and these guys they they are they look at themselves as entertainers they have a brand they have these other things so he definitely didn't mean to rub it in it, it, the ball is pitched ahead he's probably done that a thousand times in his life just not in that situation and i guess it's just the culture of of american basketball where we feel like that's disrespectful I on the other hand, if that happened to me, I would have no issue with it. But it's, it's all just it's it's opinion. I wish you wouldn't have done it. I'm I'm sorry that it did. Um and, and it won't happen again. I thought but I
1: saw you uh, over there going, no, oh, no, no, like that and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But listen, I mean it's the first it's the first two wins of the NCAA tournament ever. You guys are going to the sweet sixteen and I thought John L when he was doing his interview said it right. I just I haven't done this very much. So you know, bear with us. I, I get it. I completely get it. Even if I didn't didn't know you.
6: This is all uncharted waters for us as a program, uh, obviously making the tournament one time in the history of the school, having zero postseason wins ever. That's including NIT, CIT, CBI, everything. So without a doubt, we probably got lost in the moment a little bit. Uh, but like I said, I'm I'm more concerned with the perception of Elijah Martin because, like I said, I, there, there can't be a better human being playing college basketball right now.
1: Yeah. Well, it looked like you were apologizing to uh, Tobin Anderson over there too. So you know. Yeah, you know. and
6: and apparently one of our players had had made uh, had said something to their bench related to the the comments that were on social media the day of the game, and we don't like to put a lot of that stuff on social media because it's it's in house and and whatnot. Uh, but something was said. I guess the coach was upset about it. And I explained to them that hey, I don't like our guys talking to your bench. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's probably been twenty to thirty players talk trash to our bench this year, and I never started yelling at their coach or the other bench so um <laughs> you know i i, I told him i apologize for it but we'll get it fixed and it, it, it won't happen again
1: man you're calm cool collected over there too no wonder you're I try to be yeah you don't make <laughs> you know, much no you don't uh, i think there was one time maybe yesterday where you were mad about a non-foul call or something and you got you got a little emotional a little demonstrative but other than that you're pretty collected over there on the bench
6: yeah, I try to. I, I know my first couple of years I was probably much more demonstrative towards the officials, and, and I don't think it helped. Um, it probably just annoyed them more than anything else. And then as far as uh, with our players, if, if it's not, if I, if I feel like I'm not helping them be better, then I try to stay away from doing it, even if it makes me feel better. Um, so I've spent a lot of time trying to, to – decide how I'm going to respond to certain things before they happen and, and I thought the best way for me and our guys because of the way they respond to my negativity is to not be negative um, unless it's just the, the right time so um, yeah it's very intentional to, to not uh, get in our players way of, of trying to be successful
1: you constantly evolving as a coach do you learn things every time you go out to things you shouldn't do things you should do and then kind of evolve as those things I'm sure change or adjust as normally they would
6: 100%. There's not a day that goes by that we can't, we're not searching for a better way to do things and learn something from who we're playing or who we saw. For example, uh, Todd Abernathy on our staff, he had the Purdue Scout. And he, he did the, the entire scout preparing for them. So when things slow down, probably a day or two after we get done, I'll meet with him and figure out what we can learn through, how, you know, what they did with Edie, what worked well against them, what didn't, just so we can learn uh, how, to, how to do better with our big guys, how to be better, how to put them in better position, but also how to defend a guy like that uh, in a system like that as well. So without a doubt, we're always just working, trying to evolve, trying to improve a little bit, and then you just hope over time uh, you, can, you can put your guys in the, in the best possible situation Day in, day
1: out. Uh, Todd Abernathy obviously is a, a local name that is recognized here, the son of, of Tom Abernathy. How'd your relationship evolve with him to becoming an assistant on your staff?
6: Long, long story, John. He actually came to our camps at Indiana when I was running the camps. And, and uh one year, I can't remember which recruiting class, we didn't have a scholarship. And I, and, and we tried to get him to walk on for a year and then was going to, you know, basically he'll learn one after one year, but uh, he, he wanted to, to go on scholarship. And at that point he was recruited by mid majors. He waited till spring of his senior year and ended up coming down to either Memphis with coach Calipari or uh, Ole Miss and Rod Barnes. And he ended up going to Ole Miss, had a great career, played professionally. And then he was an assistant at Ole Miss when I was at Florida. So we always, you know, we had mutual friends. We had mutual connections and, um, you know, so the, the relationship just grew from there. And obviously him being uh, from Indiana and, and, and Tom Abernathy's son, we share a lot of the same traits. So um, it was a natural fit when, whenever uh, we, we were able to bring him on staff.
2: Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. A great local connection right there, too. And by the way, speaking of local, it seems like that there was quite a bit of GC going on in Columbus <laughs> over the weekend, too. So I know And is I mean, keeping track of the tickets
6: and handling all yeah I'm, I'm she's she's been uh it's been a blessing her handling all the logistical stuff just so we so i could focus on the team and all this kind of stuff but yeah i, I couldn't believe all the people that were there i was bumping into relatives in the hotel that i didn't even know was coming to the game so it, it was pretty cool but uh when like i said when you're in the eye of the storm you you don't have a whole lot of time to hang out and socialize so i'm just glad that we're able to share this experience with, with so many people that um have been a lot you know been have helped in so many ways and 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 then i know a lot of people more proud
1: of our guys. Well, you sure as hell can't trust Fabio to do it. So I, I get. <laughs> why Anna's in charge of it. Fabio, I don't know what he'd be doing with it. So he'd be in trouble. I
6: think he's in the weight room. He was in the uh, the Marriott weight room most of the
1: time <laughs> Is he is he running or lifting? What's he doing?
6: <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely lifting weights. I think. You don't get a nickname like Fabio unless you're
1: moving. Oh, he's, uh, yeah, he's got to keep that thing. Hey man, I, honestly, very happy, very proud of you. Keep this thing going coming up on Thursday night. You are going to be coaching in the Sweet 16 at Madison Square Garden. That is absolutely spectacular, man. Well done. Just well done, and keep it going. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. Stay in touch, man. Yep, thanks. That's Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So there, now that IU's out, Purdue's out, let jump on board with Florida Atlantic with me right there. A little bit of GC flavor, won't you? Now, don't swamp us on the boat here. Don't swamp the boat, but jump on with us. Just, just don't swamp us. Like bring negativity, bad luck, nothing like that. Don't leave your hat on the bed. Don't step on a crack in the sidewalk. Don't walk under a ladder you know black cat all that stuff don't do any of that stuff don't swamp the boat but i think the more the merrier right here giving green county a little bit of love too in eastern green the thunderbirds and dusty may the head coach of florida atlantic i it was funny john l davis their best player was doing that interview and he he dropped an s bomb during the interview And it was different than when Drew Timmy did it last night. Drew Timmy did it last night with an F-bomb because Drew Timmy, that's kind of what he does. I think that's what he does with Andy Katz. But John L. Davis just stopped for a minute and said, I'm sorry, I don't do very many of these. (laughs) He was probably right. And with Elijah Martin, you go down and you're thinking at the time, no, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, he did it. And, uh, yeah, you got to apologize for it. but I get where Dusty's coming from and making he didn't want his players portrayed as being the the villain like that. And the fact that against Fairley Dickinson, they they had to switch it. Normally they would be the underdog and they'd be getting all the love, but it was a loud crowd for Fairley Dickinson over in Columbus last night. Now uh, they're on board with the underdog for sure. Normally, that's not the case for the Owls, but nope, got room on the boat. Just don't swamp us. Quick break. We'll come back. Your calls and more. IU, Purdue. We can do that. Pacers, Hornets. Later on tonight. Anything you want to hit, round ball wise.
0: 239-1070. Back with you next. The ride with JMV. Can you fly, Bobby?
6: Clarence, no. no.
0: 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan
1: Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, everybody uh, Dan writes this so after hearing your first interview with Coach Dusty May, I jumped on the bang ragged here picked them to make the Sweet 16, make a bunch of money betting on them in the last two games Sweet 16, you got them there, they get Tennessee coming up on Thursday, that is going to be awesome I just saw this. The Texans signed former Bills free agent running back Devin Singletary to a contract earlier today. So Devin Singletary was a part of that Bills team running back. Now he is in Houston as a free agent. In case you missed this earlier today, Rick Pitino from Iona to St. John's. Ed Cooley. From Providence to Georgetown within the uh, Big East. So lots going on in the Big East. Jim McCann writes this. I absolutely agree with Michael Lewis that March Madness is not the time for teams to reinvent themselves. That is why having transitioned basketball leading to easy baskets already a solid part of your game is so important. And you got to find and embrace ways to easily score and get easy baskets. And it's all too familiar of a situation for both IU and Purdue for it to be a struggle to do both. Other than one particular player on each team. Struggling at all times. JMV. I hope Purdue fans get their wish and Painter is fired as an IU fan. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere, nor should he go anywhere. But everybody was incredibly outspoken. Hey, JMV, the only Purdue player that showed up as usual was Edie. No help. They looked scared to shoot in the final five minutes of the game. They did. You know, normally you say that and you don't really know. There's just a lot of... Oh, uh, There's just kind of a lot of... Stuff you say, oh, well, that team quit or that team, you know, but then stuff you really don't know, but you could really see these guys not wanting to shoot the basketball. Now, I guess it would stand to reason because they were shooting 19% for three point reigns, but you could just see them not wanting to do it. They were definitely getting swallowed up at the end of that game. A JMV from Eric Smith. I can vouch for JMV's basketball skills, Michael Lewis. Maybe he can bring some larceny. Name, image, likeness money, too. <laughs> yeah, Michael Lewis is an awesome conversation always. Absolutely appreciate it. More than anybody knows, From Matt, AJMV, not only shooters, but guys willing to crash the boards and get extra possessions off of those misses. I've always said this, too, and I talked about this last week. Man, you talk about offensive glass, kick out, and to step in threes, again, off of offensive rebounds, that's a three-point layup most of the time right there. That is so important. So important. Now, last night, Miami was all all over the offensive glass. All over it. But in terms of what you get out of it, what I love to see if I were a coach is my team, all the offensive glass, kickouts, and threes. Those things are layups. Because the defense is scrambled. To me, there's nothing better than that. But IU was absolutely brutal on the boards. And really, outside of that that little flourish they had at the beginning of the second half, there was not really very much there, unfortunately. And that part was disappointing. Two things I wanted to see out of this tournament. I wanted to see Matt Painter be able to put both he and that Purdue NCAA tournament the past couple of years, stuff behind them, and all that happened there is it was made a lot worse. And I wanted to see Trace, because he had been so good for four years as one of the the most productive IU players individually ever, The only other thing that people would go after him about would be, all right, well, look what you didn't do in the tournament. Look what you didn't do in the Big Ten tournament. Look what you didn't do in terms of bringing a regular season title. You know how all these arguments go. And I wanted to see him get to the Sweet 16 so that would squash that argument. And obviously, both did not work out for me this weekend. I still say that Trace is on merit and production and what he has accomplished for four years individually. But, you know, and obviously now it's going to be an even deeper hole in terms of the NCAA tournament for the Boilermakers. And we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's any player movement. We talked to Michael Lewis of Ball State a little bit earlier. At that time, he was going over transfer portal footage film. He said over 600 were in there right now. Michael Gigi checks in. One thing I haven't heard many people mention was the multiple bad passes by Galloway leading to turnovers. And I had thought going in, that's why I picked Miami in the bracket itself, just because I thought their guards were really going to get after I used guards, and they did. When you think about it, Jalen hood until those last back to back to back threes he had 19, but nine came in the final what minute and a half when the game was already done. Uh, guard play was a definite issue. You got basically what you normally get from Trace in 23 and eight and you get 19 from Hood Shafino, but at the same time, you know nine of those came at a time where the game was basically already lost. And then you come off a of Friday night with IU feeling really good. IU looked fast. IU looked quick on Friday night, maybe because Kent State wasn't. But they looked fast. And then against Miami, they they looked a step and a half slow. And it was a struggle for them to to just compete, which they didn't. Not a great deal of competition going on. Especially on the glass. You get beat up by that team on the glass in that fashion. And as it turned out, it was an absolute struggle. But highly disappointing. And again, if you want to jump on board with Florida Atlantic, I'm right here for you. Hey, JMV, I hear you talk about Gonzaga all the time. Don't you think it's funny when people reference them as choke artists in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, that's about, that's just coming from stupid people. Eight consecutive years in the Sweet 16. Would anybody out there take that? Two national championship games they've been a part of. Would anybody take that? Just curious here. Choke artists. Can you imagine what type of dumb you have to be Into the Sweet 16 against UCLA. But eight straight years. Hey, JMV, Galloway might be the most annoying IU player in a decade. Why is that? Because of the inconsistency? There was a point in time this year, and that Purdue game on the road, I thought he was outstanding. I remember talking about that after that win on the road in West Lafayette back a month ago. And the fact that he was playing fast, but we staying in control. Uh, it mostly has been a struggle since the end of the regular season. Marcellus up next at 239-1070. Hello, Marcellus. What's up, my friend? How you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. What's up with you?
7: Hey, man. I just wanted to call. It's a little bit off topic. Actually, it's way off topic. Uh, because I just wanted to give you your props, man. Uh Saturday night. The way you ended the, the 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 takeover was outstanding. You gave some props to I actually should have requested that song.
1: Oh Bobby Caldwell.
7: But, but Bobby Caldwell. Yeah. Man, the great the late great Bob man, when you did that, man cuz it really hit me last week because he's one of my you know he's one of my old soul heroes man oh, yeah. you know i mean from from way back and, and he's
1: been involved uh, in a lot as a a writer just a great soulful voice that will absolutely. be missed
7: yeah absolutely man and uh, it was pitch perfect man the way you did thank that thank you and I just wanted to say, man, I appreciated that. For real, oh, man. man. Marcellus,
1: I, that's very nice of you to say that. I, I do enjoy doing that every Saturday. I know
7: Bo- you do, man. I
1: yeah. know you do. You, you because if I didn't, I'd have man. dropped it already. <laughs> <Probably
7: so>. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. But what a great tribute to Bobby, man. man there's no Thank doubt. You Thank you very much. Thank you. I
1: appreciate that. Marcellus, hey, I appreciate boy.
7: you. You have a good one, man. Talk.
1: That's uh, Marcellus calls this show and the Saturday show. Yeah, Bobby Caldwell's just one of the all-time great singers, songwriters, just a soulful voice involved in so much you would have no idea you'd be shocked about. Jeff is up next at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Jeff.
9: Yeah, Jamie. I, I uh, kind of did some research on Dusty May, and mm-hmm. I saw he went to Eastern Green. And he did. coached under, I mean, you know, he was a manager under Bob Knight yep. for four years, and... And uh, I, I was just curious who a at Florida Atlantic coach was, and what a surprise.
1: Yeah, that's why you can jump on board, jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, he's got him going. Yeah, well, and you know, a Sweet Sixteen for him and that team, and going to yeah. Madison Square Garden and playing Tennessee—that's that's awesome. I that oh, mean, yeah. just a, in, incredible. And yeah, he he told me in the off season he thought that they had a chance. I don't know if he thought that they were going to get here, but uh, certainly thought they had a chance.
9: Yeah, well, I, he's doing a great job so far. So no doubt, Jeff. Anything else? Uh, well, on anything goes, I. I was thinking the other day if I got on anything goes, I'd say, Why would anybody buy a new car in this town with the roads in such poor shape? <laughs> I've had <hit> so many <laughs> chuckles in the last month. You're hitting you know. a lot, huh? Yeah, so anyway, well um have a great evening and thank, yeah. you, again.
1: thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate that. Let's go Larry at two three nine ten seventy. Larry, hello. Hello, Larry. Sorry, Larry. Stefan, before the break, jump on here. How are you?
7: Hey, what's up, Jay? Good so to I got hear from one you. For you, Matt. Go so ahead. I was 12 years old when I found out that Biden Caldwell was white. I still <laughs> thought he was
1: black. <laughs> Is that, you know, I didn't know that to be, I didn't know that until the past, I don't know, eight or so years. That was kind of a running joke, wasn't it?
7: Yeah, it was, a, it was the most hilarious joke on the planet. There's like, uh, there's six, Artists that are white that have made songs where people literally thought that they were black, and Bobby Caldwell's song was. What? <laughs> I, was like, I know, I, I know
2: thinking,
7: this that uh, I,
1: he got a lot of love from Chance the Rapper, I think, over the weekend for what he brought the music to. So you, you can tell that he was multi generational with his his touch and accomplishments on music.
7: Oh, yeah. It, it, he's great, one of the greats. I mean, you go back and you find out all the stuff that he wrote, it's almost like him and Prince and Rick James. Yeah. Rick James, such a big writer, didn't even know that he was from all the songs that he wrote. I'm like, good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> and here we go, <laughs> was <we're> just <laughs> it's okay. it's a super freak. okay to have the
1: drugs. <laughs> That's it. You know, it is awesome. Yeah, but Bobby Caldwell passed away last week at the age of 71, and if you look up his history, he has been involved in a lot of stuff. Where you'd go, wait a minute, really? So... That's pretty good,
7: Stefan. Anything else? Uh, so, also too, I, I I want Purdue to keep Matt Painter. Please keep Matt Painter because as an IU fan, if they keep having meltdowns like this, that's great for me. <laughs> All
1: right, Stefan, I appreciate you. I don't know, man. IU fans probably aren't going to agree with you on that one. This past year, they got a couple of wins. All right, quick one. We'll come back. I got a little Anything Goes coming up after 6, too, if you guys are cool. What we go to tonight? What's on the clock? Till about 6.23. 6.23, according to James. We have Anything Goes coming up at the top of the hour. I'm going to be, I think, up at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino and Anderson on Friday. I believe. I haven't had the uh, information in front of me, but that certainly was the rumor around here. So we'll get back up to Madison County for you, I believe, coming up on Friday. And by the way, Friday, that's me and Wells and Manny and Dion, the general manager here. New addition, Guy, Keith Sweat, Cambridge Fieldhouse. That's where the party is coming up on Friday. That's where it is after you join me at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. So, yeah, I'm going to have to, like, bust it back down here in a big hurry. There will be no going past 6 o'clock on Friday, James. Go ahead and make sure everybody understands that. Perfectly clear. No past 6 coming up on Friday. We will today, though. A little anything goes. Bill on the other side. 93.5, 107.5,
0: the fan. The Ride with JMV.
2: You guys like Italian?
0: No. 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 Yes. No. Yes. I love Italian. And so do you. Yes. 93.5 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: Michael Lewis, Jake Query, and Dusty May. The podcast, 107.5TheFan.com. com. No, over here. Hornets Pacers coming up tonight from Charlotte 630. Pre-game coverage begins. A little anything goes coming up here after 6 o'clock. Maybe a little bit early with Bill at 239-1070. Hello, Bill.
9: Hey, j uh, We doing some business, the whiskey business tomorrow night?
1: I don't think that's tomorrow. That's next week. I think, isn't it?
9: That is next week. Where I can always scroll forward and be- to put that in.
1: I believe it is next week.
9: All right. Well, that and Harris and everything business will be good.
1: Yeah, I cannot wait for it.
9: I'm, I'm telling you, but uh, man, you know I, I watched you know IU play yesterday, and I, I primarily want to talk about the Pacers, but uh, you know it just seemed like number one, it was the worst IU team defensive performance I've seen since the Lou Watson era, and that's like George McGinn, pre George McGinnis. So that's that's how bad that that entire thing was. But it just seemed like it was Trace Jackson Davis and four substitute teachers out there is what it looked like because they were just they were they were just no match for these guys. And uh, uh, I, I think I, I think IU has to recruit to, uh, uh, look for more athletic players and uh, like, like Miami does. Now I don't know what the academic standards are at Miami. I think they're pretty high. Um, uh, but but you know you still have to recruit those types of players. But uh, that that's then this is now. Pacers playing tonight. Uh, it's kind of a huge game against the Hornets. You know we're we're in 11th place, but we're just about a half a game out of the play-in. Uh, the Wizards are, are kind of falling apart, and they and uh, the Bulls have uh, a home and away against the 76ers, and they could very easily get swept. And if we if we can win these next two games, the Hornets and the Raptors, we'll be in the 10th spot. And uh, you know, uh, who would have thought that, that? Who really would have thought that would have happened and everything about two or three weeks ago? It
1: is weird, buddy. I agree with that. I know a lot of people don't want to see them make the play. And I guess it's kind of interesting them vying for it, but uh, it's clear that they don't have much for Philadelphia like Saturday night. So that happens.
9: You know, yeah, they, they didn't, and, and you know we got the got the Celtics coming. They've got the Celtics and the Mavericks coming up. So these next two games, uh, the Raptors and the Hornets, they're actually uh, uh, comparable to uh, to the Pacers. But uh, that schedule next week gets to be a little bit more brutal. So we need to win, like Ernie Banks says. Let's let's go get two.
1: I cannot wait to see you again, Billy. Thank you very much. It was great to see you on St. Patrick's Day down at O'Reilly's. That was a blast. All right, quick break. We'll come back. About 20 minutes on the clock for some anything goes. Let's go ahead and cut it loose here at 239-1070, leading you up to the start of Pacer Pregame. Hornets Pacers tonight in Charlotte. It is anything goes at 239-1070. Jump on board. We'll talk about whatever you want to hit coming up next on 935
0: and 107. Five the fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He Wild does, play. and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Got
1: a little Anything Goes here action for you if you want. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, Michael Lewis, Ball State. Went over a lot of things, including the transfer portal uh, with Michael. Of course, Michael also spent so much time with Mick Cronin out of UCLA. UCLA, back to the Sweet 16 with Gonzaga, coming up later on this week. Uh, We hit that as well. And Jake Query, back in the 4 o'clock, hour podcast for each. That's 107.5thefan.com. IU and Purdue discussion today. Uh, Thoughts on the whole Matt Painter firing stuff from Boilermaker fans, which is just beyond stupid. Over that a little bit. Both IU and Purdue and the NCAA tournament, the futures of both. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. You guys are always alive and kicking, as simple minds would say. Appreciate that. Meantime, two three nine ten seventy. Some anything goes we have leading up to this Pacer pregame show. So approximately twenty or so minutes to go at two three nine ten seventy, we'll talk about whatever you want to hit. Bert's gonna begin this thing at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Bert.
4: Hey, did I hear you
1: right? Matt Painter got fired. No, he didn't. No, oh, there's okay. some ridiculously stupid people out there, some Boilermaker oh, yeah. fans that would advocate that, and that's yeah, beyond ridiculous. Kidding.
7: Yeah, you scared me there for a minute. No, but,
1: no, 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 no.
7: But uh, to my point, I've been trying to time this right and just finally get into talk to you on anything goes. Yep. But I am so, so glad Dan Dockich is out of that time slot. That was the only sports talk radio
4: that you could get, and so you were forced to listen to him be a bully to anybody and everybody anytime he was in any kind of mood. And God, am I glad
1: he's gone. Bert, Bert, anything else? <laughs> that's pretty much it. Bert, thank you very much. I will say this: um, I as many Berts as there might be out there, there were also ones that didn't feel that way. So that's just the way that it goes. I mean, there are people out there like Bert that hate my guts. And I was, what did I ever do to you? All right, just besides stink for three hours a day. But no, seriously, you uh, you can find people that, what is this, you're 18? Not here, but all in all, that are tired of me. And you could probably ask me on certain days when I might get tired of you. But there are still strong fan bases around here for sure. But I think that's the first time we've taken one like that on anything goes. Todd's at 239-1070. Hello Todd, how are you?
8: Hey John. A little hey, anything hello, hello. goes for you, Todd? Do you uh do you query get like a uh, combined 9 hours sleep a night? Yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: telling you. I I got to give real. Aurora Sleep Clinic a lot of love because they they've helped me out. And a lot of it's my fault because I just kind of, you know, blank around and stay up too late. And, hey, look, there's a man with a golden guns on. Hey, I think I'll watch that. I've only seen it 90 times and then I'll end up staying up late or whatever. So,
8: oh, I'll pass on the occasional Roger Moore. (laughs) See, Roger
1: Moore is my favorite. Roger Moore's my favorite Bond. I don't know because it was like the '70s, like live and let. I love live and let die, and everybody hates a man with a golden gun. I actually like it because Christopher Lee, uh, from remember Christopher Lee, the 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 Schlock kind of horror star. From the 60s and the early 70s. I like him. He had three nipples. Scaramanga had three nipples. The plot plot wasn't that great, but I enjoyed it. And they also, it's funny, in in certain Bond films, they will highlight an advertiser, right? And in this one, it was the American Motors Company. You remember AMC? I do. Yeah, they highlighted AMC. They, uh, They crashed a lot of AMCs, and I think they even put, like, wings... On in a propeller on one and flew it around. So they highlighted I, I the AMC. Know. So I, my favorite, my favorite Bond of all time is the Spy Who Loved Me because Barbara Bach floats my boat. If you know what I mean, in a big time way.
2: So
8: boat Tanya floater. Tanya Roberts. Tanya Roberts was one of those Moore films too. Am I right? Tanya Roberts
1: was, I believe, a View to a Kill. Right, the final Roger Moore, eighty-five. Uh, yeah, uh, I believe so.
8: Uh, uh, <laughs> I will defer to you on that. By well, this is a segment where
1: everybody slams dockage and Stazniak. I'm, I'm 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 going to pass on that. But. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, listen, and they don't. I mean, they, they could, I guess, in social media or other aspects. I know Dan could. Um, you know, they can't speak for themselves right here, but you know, and it, and again, I open it up, and that's cool, and that's what we do. But you know, it's been three or so months ago, and I think everybody's kind of doing what they want to do right now. So it seems, it seems okay in terms of uh, of Dan in this case.
8: Painter, you know, believe me, they're complaining in Ann Arbor. They're compl- uh, be, be honest, they were complaining in Columbus yeah. until Olden had a little bit of a run in the tournament. Um I mean, outside outside of Lansing, believe you, Minnesota, you think they're complaining? I mean, you know, probably not in Penn State either. But everybody's complaining. They are. We have we have the second most stable coaching situation in the Big Ten. With Panther, I mean, truly we do, and 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 and, and the, everything everything else is ludicrous. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, it. Uh, so you you understand what I'm saying? But I mean, I mean Howard Howard was in the final. You know, I mean Howard had a great run a couple of years ago. Now they're complaining about him up there. Um, Wisconsin's not happy. I think McCaffrey's running his course at Iowa because of his antics. So I'm just kind of curious of your opinion on this because I think. That's just the
1: nature of the business, right? No, no, there's no doubt. But, and especially, Todd, in terms of, let's just face it, I mean, Purdue, that was such an embarrassing loss. It's not even like like a, a longer run of the tournament next year. I don't know when anybody's ever going to forget about what they saw on Friday. That's that's going to have a lasting effect. You're, you're, you're
8: right, but it's, it's that's also a three-year thing, I think, in a bit.
1: Oh, what's that? One more. Oh, the three years. There's no doubt. North Texas, yeah. St. Peter's last year, and then this year, it was like the culmination of that. There's no question yeah. about it.
8: Yeah, I, I, I don't think a one-off is, is that big a deal. I, I, just think it's the three years. You know, what I mean, so yeah, I just, you know, just, 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 you know, it, it's insane. It's the second most stable coaching operation in the conference. Period.
1: Yeah, and it's just what happens when you uh, you get embarrassed. And you feel the frustration of that? Fan base is. And we got fan bases around here that's not seen winning in forever, too. So that's not just them. I mean, listen, they saw winning in the regular season, winning in the Big Ten Conference Tournament. But, you know, it's few and far between with winning around here. We're just Boilermaker fans who are looking for that next step and uh, did not get what they bargained for with that on Friday. Hope to see you soon, my friend. Todd, can't wait. Larry, anything goes, 239-1070. Hello, Larry. Hey, j how are you doing? Fantastic, Larry, what's up?
10: Hey, I just wanted to give a shout-out to the uh, Indiana State University alumni that the uh, 23rd is Give to Blue Day, and I know you're a big supporter of the college. I am. Appreciate that, and uh, hope that everybody gets on board and, and helps us make uh, the 23rd a very successful day. And if you could uh, maybe give another shout-out on the 23rd, it would be greatly appreciated.
1: You got that, Larry. Anything from my Sycamore friends, always. All right. Larry, you call any Thank you. Hey, Janvy, every fan of the Big Ten is complaining because the Big Ten just isn't good enough. Now, one team is not complaining right now. This time is on Michigan State. Patrick's next, 239-1070. Hello, Patrick. Hey, buddy. It's – uh.
10: Uh, I, I, every time I call in, I gotta say it: JMV, Bubby, I'm your white knight.
1: <laughs> Hans, Booby, I'm your
10: white knight. <laughs> every time I call in, I gotta say it. Hey, but so, uh, the, the great. Hey, here's
1: something really quick. The great yeah. actor known as Hart Bachner played that role in 1988 on Die Hard of Ellis. Do you know what film? Synonymous. With the state of Indiana, Hart Bachner is also a co-star as a part of. If
10: it's synonymous with Indiana, I'm guessing Hoosiers, but I have no clue. Well, breaking away.
1: Hart Bochner ah, was in breaking okay. away. Remember, he was kind of the antagonist character there. He was uh, the the frats. You know, they were the cutters, and he was the, uh, the frat house. And remember, they got in a fight in that bowling alley. Uh, over inside the union, when the union used to have a bowling alley, they got in a fight there. Hart Bochner, who was Ellison Diehard, was also a supporting cast member of Breaking Away in
10: 1979. I am so old, I can't I can't remember the last time I saw that
1: movie. Uh, every time it's on, I got to watch it. I love all the old visuals of Bloomington and growing up around there. The old the old uh, Bloomington Square and all that. Some of it certainly is the same but most of it has changed. I love seeing old Bloomington of the late 70s like that.
10: Oh yeah, good times, good times. What else you got? Uh, so I'm I'm calling mainly because I just thought about this today and I wanted to get your take. Uh, does are the Pacers just super unlucky or do we have the worst training staff uh, training staff in in NBA? Because
1: I would it suggest like- unlucky.
10: Because every single year, it seems like every single one of our players goes down with an injury that oh, it might not be too bad, but then they're out for the rest of the season, like Miles was last year with a toe, uh, and just it it
1: seems like yeah, I think Miles probably could have came back last year, but there was just no need for him to come back. I think Matherin, I haven't seen tonight. Eddie's Matherin back. Matherin's back tonight.
10: Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. that was a, that was an ugly one. Um, do we know how long Halliburton's going to be out for?
1: Halliburton, uh, probably a couple more games, Eddie. At least a couple more games. I'm getting uh, head shaking over there. So, yes, a couple more games, uh, we'll say.
10: Uh, now, here's here's my biggest thing about that. If you've got a sprained ankle or something, I, I'm sorry, when I played soccer and I sprained my ankle, I wasn't jumping around on the sidelines when I was cheering for my, my teammates. Like, if I was jumping around, my coach would be like,
1: if you're able to do that, get in. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you got to run and cut and stuff like that. So I mean, it's 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 different, man. It's different. And listen, they're going to err on the side of caution here. It's not like you're, you know, you're not, you know, pushing for you know home court advantage in the postseason. I mean, you're you're really kind of in no man's land right here. So if the guy is dinged up, you don't want to make it any worse by pushing him out there when you shouldn't, especially for this. All right. I'll listen to you like I always do. Patrick, did. you're the man. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Liquor Man James on Anything Goes at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Liquor Man.
4: James, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm there. Sorry about that, Dan. Right, I was Go ahead. trying to get that I got that ninety nine root beer on my uh on my lips here. Sorry. <laughs> Hey, I did want to follow up on two previous callers. Um, Number one, favorite Bond movie has got to be Sean Connery, Octopussy, because I can say that on the radio. That's pretty
1: funny right there. I just saw where Ursula Andress, who was extremely smoke in, what was she, in Goldfinger, I think, in 1963? She just turned like 83 years old. I think Ursula Andress, maybe even older than that. But I know her more because it used to be on Skinamax. Uh, She was in The Sensuous Nurse. That was a really good film. (laughs) Make sure you look up The Sensuous Nurse one of these days and thank me later. Solid
4: nineteen years before I was born. So yeah, I, I would imagine I think it's like early
1: seventies. There's probably a little bit of unkeptness going on in there and stuff. You yeah, I don't know. Yeah, may not be uh too familiar with today, but it's it's worth your time if you got that time. I will tell you, I will yep, tell you that.
4: I'm willing to make it. I'm willing to make it for a bond <laughs> slick. I'm about it. <laughs>
1: no, but Barbara Bach's oh, my all so. time favorite. I love Barbara Bach. I believe married to Ringo Starr, right? Barbara Bach, so. I'll take your word for it. You got it. Ringo Starr, Barbara Bach were together in Caveman, another one of my favorite films. I remember back in high school, sophomore year, world history. My project was bringing in the film Caveman and showing the class. Seriously, Caveman for world history. Great film. Shelley Long. I think uh, Dennis Quaid's in it, too. Jay's up next. Anything goes. Hello, Jay.
3: Hey buddy um I just wanted to say that um the big Ten uh conference tournament now these uh, west coast teams yep. are about to be
8: involved now what ended? Indian- you think how often will Indianapolis be able to host that now that
0: LA and man yeah <laughs> want it out there I mean
1: not as we- not as often tournament? they're not going to get get completely kicked out by any stretch right uh like you know, the whole Super Bowl thing. Like, you right. get Nashville getting built now with a dome and all this stuff happening. Indy's never going to get a Super Bowl again. I, I absolutely believe that. But it, it's going to be certainly a longer stretch in having them than they have been in the past. Because Far there's just going to be yeah. more places
3: to go. Right, right. So, do you think they can pick up another tournament from another conference? Uh, oh, know, Indy? Uh,
1: um, I mean, other than the Horizon League, which, you got
3: the Horizon, you know, the horizon
1: League's up at the state fairgrounds. I, um, you know, the, the Big East will never be here. That will always be in the garden. So I doubt it. No, that'll yeah, be it. Yeah. Yep. And that's all I had, buddy. Thank we got it, Jay. Thank you. As always for the call right there. JMV, <laughs> JMV, you do understand that Roger Moore bonds are the absolute worst. No, they're not. I don't know how he kicked anybody's ass, though. He looked like one of the weakest dudes ever. I go, man. And then you always want to know if you really truly wanted to eliminate him, just eliminate him. Why do you have to go through all these elaborate plans and schemes to do something that you could just easily do? But I love it. The Spy You Love Me, check it out. Uh, JMV, if Painter is good enough to coach up an unranked team to an overall number one national ranking, he's good enough to learn how to adjust and play better against small ball, uh, which is something that he absolutely is going to have to do. Steve asked, what about Indy going after the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament? That would never happen. That's never going to leave St. Louis, Steve. I mean, never. And Tony backed you up on this, too. Tony D said, what about the MVC here? Um, the Enterprise Center is a dump. And that is true. But Missouri Valley Conference headquarters is in St. Louis too, right? Is that where it is? Not in Jefferson City. It's in St. Louis, I think. So, yeah, it's never going to leave St. Louis because um, they, they, have, they have coined the phrase Arch Madness. So it, it's never going to leave that. But few and far between... I mean, you're going to add L.A., where else will it end up going? You know, Chicago all the time. It'll end up going to go to Minneapolis, go to uh, D.C. I don't know if they're ever going to get back. You think they'll ever end up with Rutgers? They won't end up in Brooklyn, will they ever? I mean, I've, they've done at Madison Square Garden, and that was weird enough. It was about a week early, if you remember. I don't think they'd ever do Barclays Center in Brooklyn, would they? Hey James, did you leave something on the table here? What's up?
4: Oh, yes. Also, just wanted to say respectfully, I've listened to you and Dan and the Fan early show for 15 long years and you guys are fantastic. I appreciate fantastic. that, man. Thank you. Very nice. No doubt. Also want to let all of the lounge nerd kings and queens get their <laughs> shouts out. The fundamental bear and Scotty and Bubba and Gritty Jen, who Give them is the love.
0: visible
8: today.
4: Give them the love. There was, we, there was some,
1: uh, I think there was a little bit of frustration going on in there today regarding their favorite teams over the weekend.
4: True, true. Hey, I do got another quick question yeah. for you. What's your sweet spot on the court? Um, well, I, I tell
1: you, it's uh, always the top of the key would be it. I mean, I, I will say this. They always say the easiest shot is the corners. I always thought the top of the key was the easiest because it was like an extended free throw. So probably top of the key for me. But I can go wing extended too. That's no problem. But top of the key always works.
4: Super fantastic. I'm looking for a great pacer win tonight. I don't think the Hornets got a thing to hold so no lights for the candle or however you want to regard it. So we're waiting. Talk L- to you soon man James thank
1: you. I think I'm gonna go play some hoop right now uh, down Southport I believe. hopefully in the main gym and not in the auxiliary gym. there's so who's the there's some guy that was just ripping on me last week I think he actually coaches at Southport or something. But we don't let him in to play with us because he's a crank. <laughs> Actually, they probably would. It'd be pretty funny. But that's where I'm going. Tomorrow's show, we'll load it back up again. Pat Boylan's in the house. Just cruised on through here. A little cold wind at his back right there. J.M.V., you were always on the wing at Perry because you knew Barnheiser was coming up the middle and launching. True dat. True dat, Brett. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic. Michael Lewis, Ball State, Jake Query, Morning Show, Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Thank you, James. Thank you, Eddie. Pat Boylan and the gang next. Pacer pregame, Hornets and Pacers coming straight at you. Check with you back tomorrow at 3 again.